What do we say to the god of death, everybody? Not today. Not today. Not today, <laughs> yeah. bitch. Not today, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Left of the Throne, a Game of Thrones review podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? Holy fucking balls is all i have to say uh that's what's going on <laughs> yeah uh, I, this was this was a, a big weekend um adventures endgame which i saw on friday and i as of last night i don't really remember any of it nor do i care <laughs> which is if you're saying something because it isn't a pretty amazing finale for that franchise but all i can think about right now is last night's fucking episode of uh the best tv show ever yeah yeah uh also joining us this week uh special guest she's been on our main show but never on the game of thrones show uh ash is joining us ash welcome what's up everybody yeah not much. i'm happy to be here and um just like comrade i feel the same way i saw Endgame on friday and i've pretty much forgotten about it since last night's game of thrones <laughs> episode <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love, and I haven't seen Endgame yet, but I, I and I and I love the Marvel movies to varying degrees. You know, obviously some more, way more than others. Black Panther, you know, specifically, but, um, you know, compared to something like Game of Thrones, even even if it has skewed more towards a broader audience in recent years, it's still just fucking, you know, miles ahead of of, of any of those you know things in terms of just actual uh literary you know literary storytelling things like that I, it's just you know that's you know that's that's the the mcdonald's the burger standard. to the game of thrones you yeah. know flame and yon or that's the impossible <laughs> burger to the game of what, what, what's well, the what's the high-end version of fake meat in a vegan world oh <laughs> you know there's some good ones there's like field roasters there's a uh, company out of seattle called field roast they do great stuff but yeah mm -hmm. this was i mean the, the last two episodes were just kind of building up to this as far as like you know here's what's coming you know this is coming and it's like you still kind but of nothing felt happened like, nothing happened like, <laughs> right um <laughs> But there's that still feeling of like, well, is it really going to be the most epic thing ever? And you mm -hmm. think like it can't, it like it's too good to be true. It can't really be as good and as epic and as, you know, over the top as they've built it up to be. And, you know, even that, for, like the first 10 minutes, you're like, is, are they there? Are the are the bad guys even out there? Because we can't <laughs> yeah. see them. Um, and, and really, it felt like very much like a, like a horror story where the scariest thing a is a like, yeah. monster you can't see. Um, so yeah. And, and then, you know, of course, very early on, you realize, uh, you know, they're, they're fucking doomed <laughs> and that feeling of yeah. doom and dread <laughs> and, in just like existential panic was for the entire episode. There was a few moments it calmed down, but then you're still just like, well, is that like w what they're done? They just showed the whole fucking thing. That's it. It's over. <laughs> There's no coming back from this. There's no way out of this. Uh, so having that feeling for an hour and 20 minutes straight, uh, I think for a lot of people, uh, myself included, was just really, you know, the, the most, harrowing. the most fun that stress can be, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was really stressful, but it was fucking amazing. So, you know, I, uh, I want to go through kind of each individual major story beat, but just overall, uh. You know, the show had a this this battle had a lot of expectations on it. This is something that the show has been ostensibly building to uh, since the first episode, you know, essentially. 
and a lot of people had a lot of expectations going into this and you know miguel sapochnik the director had a pretty herculean task ahead of him to to make this you know work and i i really think he largely pulled it off and and, and it's no small feat so i you know we'll 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 talk about some of the broader criticisms of the sh- of the episode at the end of the episode uh, at the end of this you know after we go through our review but um i i fucking loved it i thought it was great i was you know i was riveted i was terrified i i was uh, you know, I I I I legitimately thought that any of our main characters could die at any moment. You know, I I thought John was gonna die a few times. Like there was a lot of um earned earned suspense and earned resignation of like, oh, this person's gonna die. Oh, you know, this person's gonna die. Oh, maybe everyone's gonna die, <laughs> and then Cersei's gonna fight the Night King herself and fucking <laughs> die. And the Night King's just gonna win the whole thing. Like there was a moment where I legit like thought like. Oh, okay. So obviously, everyone that is is at Winterfell is going to die. Like they're just going to lose. Like they're they're not mm-hmm. going to make it out, which is crazy because you're like obviously these guys are the main good guys. They're not just going to all die. But the show did such a good job of ratcheting up the stakes and ratcheting up the tension that I really thought that was a possibility for a good chunk of this episode. Um, but yeah, what did you think, Ash? Um, yeah, I was going through all the emotions during it too. Um definitely uh no had a lot of expectations and i was watching some of um game revealed earlier which i never watched mm-hmm. before but it goes kind of more in depth into the making of the episode but it talked about that miguel guy and like how they went through about like 50 days 50 or 50 nights yeah and just like i think amelia said it was negative 14 degrees out there and just like braving through all of that just for this one episode it's just a lot yeah, on the body 55 day long night shoot for a single yeah. episode sort of television fucking brutal like, yeah i mean um, th- this is you know gray worm he was like i think by like week three everybody on the set started looking they looked haunted and i'm like <laughs> yeah that they would like it's dark as hell out there i mean it was dark as shit on the screen i could barely see myself yeah just just logistically i i've done like a night shoot with like four actors and it's a fucking nightmare corralling people i can't imagine corralling hundreds and hundreds of extras in pitch black outside and fucking freezing cold weather like yeah nightmare absolute nightmare yeah well (laughs) and and then all the effects and it's like well if you get something terribly wrong and have to reshoot it you can't just put all that shit back together again very easily you know, no. it's not like, oh, hey, we got to go back and shoot that uh, diner scene again. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, no. yeah, no, you it, <laughs> it looked like they could have done it like a lot easier too. just did like way more CGI, but they wanted to make it so real looking. They did a lot of different things to make it look that real. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, where when the, um, the, the zombie dragon uh, gets its face torn <laughs> off, right? <laughs> And has mm-hmm. a big hole in its neck, and the, it's like leaking fire out of the side of its face. Oh, that was so they cool. built like a like a three D model of the this of like the torn up side of the face, and put it on this movable crane arm, and like actually had fire come out of it, so it would like roll oh, wow. out of the side of the face to, and like and look right, <laughs> right. Yeah. And then of course they they add CGI to it, but they need something to enhance, right? They need like a a, a real photograph of real fire to know how it would look as it rolls out between those teeth on the side of the face that's half gone. You know, that's the level of detail they fucking go to. 
They said yeah. they had yeah. um, 900 logs, too, and, like, 100-some steel beams for those trenches they made, too. And, like, wow. just, like, all this gasoline they had to get to light it. And it it was just, like, amazing how much work went into it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, forgive no, their a- carbon footprint for the uh, artistic <laughs> <merits>. <laughs> Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So let's just go through the episode because there's we had a lot to get through. This, this was a monster episode. Um, you know, first and foremost, uh, the score at the beginning uh, and the score throughout. I mean, uh, that guy, that guy whose name I forget, something Hijwani or something like that, did a fucking amazing job. This whole episode, it felt very, it almost had a very John Carpenter esque feel. Like at, in the opening, I don't know if you caught that. It was a very like synth heavy kind of like foreboding uh like kind of drone at the beginning as they were waiting for the you know for the dead to come kind of come out of the woods i thought that was incredible and i think he did an incredible job the entire episode really uh ratcheting up the tension oh yeah yeah hitting he hit all the right cues like musically and that's such an important thing that people don't even think about but well and there's moments where you don't want the music to overpower the scene and then there's other moments where Mm -hmm. you want the music to drive it and you know, like the the episode where you, the, the probably the most fantastic piece of music in the whole series, uh, the the piano the and organ explosion, yeah, yeah, because you have never heard a piano before in this series, <laughs> and then you hear it there, and then there's these organs, and it's this huge soaring thing, and uh, you know, and and it's this this scene where this long drawn out scene where the music really drives it because there's all these little things going on that by themselves have drama, but you want to build this tension, well the the finale the climax of this episode of the battle, battle of winterfell is only the second time we've heard piano music and again you have this the, where they they really drew out the action to be very slow and if you listen to without music you would have very little tension in that moment beyond what we kind of know was is about to happen and you know it's building towards something you know something huge is about to happen and it's right as, you know, when the Bran and the Night King are looking at each other and you're like, okay, now what's going to happen? The music shifts and there's this, this rapid arpeggio that starts and you're like, okay, here mm-hmm. it comes here. Fucking something comes. And then the whole, you know, <laughs> that, that final moment when you, you know, all of us are just like about to have a fucking heart attack. Mm. Uh, you know, the music is really driving that, that moment of panic, but it's not complete doom because some of the notes are like uplifting and you're like, okay, what, what is about to happen? And you feel like those two pieces of music are, it's not just something's about to happen in this moment, but something like the world is turning and something yeah. world changing is about to happen. And we're about to see it. And here it comes. And the music has such a huge uh, bit of, of, of a part to play in, in telling the audience, pay attention right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so and and we'll talk about what what actually it was building to but you know towards the end of this review but uh needless to say incredible 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 um so the first kind of big uh moment we get is uh you know there are all the dothraki are lined up to uh become basically they're the first wave of infantry uh you know basically the first wave of cavalry uh on horseback to ride in against the uh the whites so uh, my question though is what was their plan if if like because they didn't have any dragon glass they only had their like conventional like kind of middle eastern i, I know there's a name for it i i sight maybe i don't know but they're they're fucking you know they're they're crescent moon swords right that weren't dragon glass tipped yeah. or anything like that 
Well, so were they just going to like... I mean, so Lissandra comes up and lights them all on fire, which we were talking about this during the show. We were kind of like, does Jorah even know her? Because the Dothraki certainly <laughs> yeah. don't know her. <laughs> we were kind of like, that's a, like, that's very... Yeah, that's a very trusting of them to like just you know, let her do that. But I'm sure once the, 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 they lit on a fire, they're like, oh, hey, cool. We got extra you know, <laughs> fucking cheat code, a little bonus. <laughs> and... I mean, and the moment itself is fucking incredible. Just an incredible visual. Like I was like, I, I, I kind of was, I, I kind of thought that that's what she was doing, but I wasn't quite sure. And then you know, you see them all go up, and you're like, wow, that's just fucking right. dope as hell. Well, and it leads to one of the coolest visuals that I, that I think we've ever seen on the show. Them charging so, in. Uh, to answer your question, was was it a sort of a smart move, or what did they think they were doing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, I, Ash and I were talking about this before, and I don't know, maybe Ash, you can comment on that. Mm. Um, well, I was just going to say, maybe they ran out of dragon glass because I really wasn't even thinking about them not having it. And I, you know, we just... it's a raw deal for the Dothraki. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, hey right. you the only guys without dragon glass, you go first. Like all the Unsullied have fucking dragon glass well, spears. Like, but here's some else. fire. So like you got one of the two. Right. At least you got it. would be good to have no, like a little exactly. pocket knife too. Well, and because they couldn't have planned for that because she kind of seemingly showed up yeah. out of nowhere. She wasn't right. with them. She came. So, like, their plan, I guess, was just go get massacred. Th- but like, they're still thinking in, in, like, old school military terms where the first thing you do is ride right. out your horses and then you archers. And then, you know, they, they're still they're still thinking that way, which is a mistake because this is not an army they're fighting that plays by those rules. You know, so for them to run out on their own and not have the backup right there with them, you realize right. it's like, OK, that was really stupid. You know, because you, you what it what it, one of the one of the things Brian says to uh, to Pondrick when she's sparring with him right before she ends up sparring with uh, with Arya in that really amazing scene in season six, she says, "Don't let your enemy lead you." You know, don't mm-hmm. don't let your enemy draw you out. And that's exactly what they fucking let them did. It was the first huge critical mistake, and you see all those flaming swords suddenly disappear, and you realize, oh so- fuck. They do kind of just ride off into darkness, too. Like, I would be like, can we just wait for them to come to us? (laughs) Or at least so we can see them. So, you know, it's it's an interesting question. What actually was the strategy of living and who who was in charge? Like, it seemed like there were too many cooks in the kitchen because, like, (laughs) there's no, you know, like, there's... It, they have a lot of good military minds among them. You know, Jamie obviously was the leader of the King's guard, you know, had, had several victories in battle. Even Tyrion had some good, you know, uh, battle strategies, you know, despite not being much of a fighter. Mm-hmm. John is brave, but I would not call him a tactician. I mean, he, he really fucked up mm-hmm. at the battle of the bastards mm-hmm. and Sansa saved his ass. So. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, but among them there, there's pl- probably several good military tacticians, but, there didn't seem to be a coherent plan. I mean, the one kind of plan we knew about was that Danny and John were going to kind of wait out the Night King, and when he came to get Bran, they were going to take him out. But Danny immediately, I think, kind of gave up on that because she saw that the Dothraki were getting well, slaughtered, and she wanted to go help them, which, you know, totally fine, but... I just think the the plan was really fucking flimsy, yeah, considering they're they had... not used to planning a battle with air power yet right yeah. i mean if you were doing a modern battle you don't send your troops out into the field no, you fucking and then bomb start the shit bombing. out of them and then right yeah. you you bomb the shit and we saw the only thing that had any effect on that army was was just strafing them with fucking mm-hmm. dragon fire so they should have been yeah. strafing them with dragon fire for hours before they sent a single dothraki out to take them out right 
And, and also, yeah, if you waited for the, the Night King to come to that little, you know, the Godswood, uh, and then tried to blast the Dragon King with with fire like we like they tried to do later on, uh, you would burn down the entire Godswood and everyone in it. <laughs> you know, so yeah. like, what you what yeah. you really gonna fucking do with the dragons there? Yeah, no, that, that it, the the strategy was a little puzzling, but again, these guys are a lot of the, a lot of our favorite characters are more brave than they are intelligent, <laughs> so it, it's it can be understood. Sure. Um, so uh, you know, we see we see Ghost in that scene, of course, charging with the Dithraki, and we were all fucking terrified that he was uh, lost with the rest <laughs> of them. But he, the he, dogs he, don't have a good uh, survival track record on the show. No. <laughs> but very uh, <laughs> Yeah, but people have pointed out that he shows up pretty prominently in the trailer for next uh, episode, so he's okay, luckily. <laughs> All the distracting, not so much, but but the ghost somehow made it out alive. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, but and again, that scene was just in, in, an amazing visual to see them all charging in oh with uh, the flames and then just seeing the flames get snuffed out because I, I, I was just watching, I was just like, you know, what the fuck, like... It was a really good choice to show it from the perspective of the second line, you know, like to not actually follow them out there. It, it just, oh, it, it yeah. really, well, you get that brief little glimpse of the, 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 the Dothraki that when you, he actually sees the, the giant and then it just cuts and you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah. yeah. They're, you know, they're just gone. They're just disappeared. And then to see like the couple horses running away and then even a couple Dothraki running away and they're just like they're not even reform reforming with the line they're just running they're done they're like, <laughs> like we're fucking deserting <laughs> this entirely and you know because I, I think with um you know the the battle on that frozen lake we're kind of like okay you can kill these things you know seven guys can hold off hundreds all right and then you realize no they're with if they have a hundred thousand you're you have no chance oh you're fucked it's, it's yeah. like a literal wave of whites that just washes over them it's just like with no yeah and with no um self-preservation yeah. unlike unlike anyone else like they have no you know compulsion for self-preservation which makes them 10 times more dangerous than any Most human army could be and i think everybody yeah. kind of um, saw the um oh, what's the word uh, it was like um world war z level numbers though and i'm pretty sure everybody got that yeah. reference when they saw them too definitely oh, especially when they started started you know uh dogpiling on top of each other to get up the yeah. wall that was very reminiscent definitely. yeah well it's way better than that movie but, yeah, but it was very reminiscent of that. they had that trench there and you're like okay we, we saw in the battle of the bastards it only took a few minutes before the bodies were piled 20 feet high uh, all they have to do is just keep piling their own bodies on there and <laughs> like that trench isn't gonna do so, shit. i mean ultimately you know the living did what they could do but they were fucked. I mean, they they were outnumbered significantly. Mm -hmm. And to top that off, anytime somebody got killed, the Night King could easily, you know, pull like a double switch on them. You know, so it's like, it, it they really, you know, they they really did. I think the best they could do under the circumstances in terms of strategy. You know, there were some missteps, but they they their whole strategy was like, look, our only fucking shot at this. It was a real like golden snitch from Harry Potter movies. Like our only shot that we're not going to fucking beat these guys one-on-one. -on -one. We got to take out the Night King. That's the only way we can win. Right. The rest is just staying alive long enough for us to get to the Night King. Sure. Um, well, if they'd use the dragons the way the dragons can kill the most of them the best by strafing them. They would have done better. <laughs> sure. You know, for eventually sure. the Night King would have come after them. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. You know, you, you, the great thing about this show is they show these tactical mistakes uh, for all they are. 
Um, they show people making really bad choices on the battlefield. Um, you know, uh, letting your enemy uh, get to your emotions or, or get, you know, get you off your game. That's, that's part of being human in this world because these guys aren't brilliant military commanders because they are like regular flesh and blood, normal, normal people uh, for the most yeah. part. And a lot of our favorite characters have died because of that. And, and, you know, over the course of the series, like Rob, obviously, I mean, and it's, I think that's, what's great about the show is that it's not just, you know, people who are completely protected by plot armor. There's, you know, it, it, it who these characters are informs the decisions they make. They don't just change uh, to fit whatever the episode needs. Like, you know, unfortunately happens a lot on like a show like the walking dead where it's like, okay, well this week we need to have a conflict where you're not sure if you should, you know, kill people anymore. So you're going to, you know, go back on 10 weeks of, of storytelling where you've become okay. like, you know, it, it's just, I, I like that the show uses who these characters are and who we've uh, learned that they, you know, who, who we've uh, known them to be to inform their decisions in, in these big epic battles. Like, sure. I no, I mean, really- you know, being an active protagonist or a reactive protagonist depends on the kind of character you are, right? So if you're a, a, a proactive antagonist, you're going to take actions that will fundamentally change the outcome of, of events, right? And yeah. that's, you know, there's yeah. there's certain people like that on the show, absolutely, and other people that are largely reactive protagonists. But sure. Um, so... Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, so then we, uh, you know, we get our first kind of, uh, named character death of the, of the episode, which isn't, you know, a huge loss, but it, it, it sucks. You know, Dol- uh, Ed, John's best buddy from the night watch, pretty much one of the only surviving members of the night watch. Uh, cause it's one of the only ones who didn't, uh, stab John, you know, and, 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 uh, turn on him back when, you know, when he, when he died, uh, he, he ends up dying in the battle after saving Sam. Who actually, I thought handled himself pretty well, considering uh, he 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 did seem to like find a find a you know second gear in the in the battle. Not he's not somebody who's typically much of a fighter, but no. it, he, and it it didn't feel fake either. It didn't feel like a kind of like a Yoda all of a sudden like zipping and zapping around. Like it was very like I'm fighting out of desperation so I don't fucking die, sure. and so I can you know. Hopefully Ash, save did you my... think he kind of he kind of chickened out though at one point or or two? I did, yeah. I think he was, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, um, when I was watching that uh, game revealed earlier too, they were talking about how they kind of mm-hmm. started it off with his point of view a little bit and just kind of started off with him because he's kind of like not well he's not a fighter and he's like everybody like he's one of us so he's kind of showing like Mm -hmm. how we would react like his hands are shaking he's like oh my fucking god what am i gonna do yeah he's a lover not a fighter yeah (laughs) lover of ladies a lover of ladies (laughs) (laughs) samuel fucking tarly Love um no yeah and i love sab so i was glad to see that he he, he made it out alive mm-hmm. and i think he's a, a big piece in the end game uh you know i i still maintain that i think that we're gonna he'll be our storytelling device to show how things have gone in the future because he'll end up yeah. back at the citadel well into um to anyone that says that sam bitched out and ran at one point uh so did the well, dothrakis so did, the <laughs> yeah, so did the dothrakis who made it out so of did there. fucking sandor sandor was yeah. like panic having a panic attack for a minute but and we'll get i don't want to jump too far ahead i want to talk about that moment yeah really yeah, yeah. It, so there's, but, um, there's something that, about that too i want to talk about uh connected to another yeah. part of the, the episode too when we get to it yeah 
but and but again it's and you know these this was a horrific battle worse than any battle any of these people have ever experienced before and it, it is traumatizing mm-hmm. so i appreciate the show tried to take pains to show that you know obviously a character like sam might be traumatized but also somebody like fucking sandor like the mount or uh, i call the mount uh, the hound is 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 like having a fucking yeah. nervous breakdown he's like the, one of the toughest most like no nonsense dudes in the entire series is still like we're, we're fucked like it's, we're, we're not gonna fucking win um but i don't want to get too far ahead but we'll, we'll talk about him so the uh next kind of big thing we see is you know obviously the dragons take off and start uh doing their shit and you know uh, blasting a bunch of of whites and it, it's awesome but then uh it's a bit confusing as to what happens if they're flying. I, I think what happens is they start flying uh, to meet the, the kind of front line of, or, you know, the back line of like the generals of the, uh, of the white walkers right. and they get caught in this insane snowstorm, which, you know, we kind of can, can assume that the night King uh, brought with him as a kind of battle tactic. And it's fucking genius because I, it, it stood to reason like, yeah, you know, the Night King has this endless army of the dead, but if they have dragons and they don't manage to stab them with the spears, like they're just going to still light these fuckers on fire. And you, and and you see how kill effective everyone. is because, you know, you it, it's already at night and there's a snowstorm and we're struggling to kind of like see what's going on. I mean, yeah. it is dark. But it was an amazing way to neutralize but it, them. But yeah. it's like there's we're having a hard time seeing what's going on because that's a hard time for them to see what's going on. The, the, the yeah. two dragons literally crash into each other and we're like, oh, shit, was that the two our two dragons that crashed or is that one of the Night King's dragon that just flew in? And yeah, I, I thought it was tell. him. And that's the beauty of it is the they're trying to they're, they're increasing your level of anxiety and panic by putting up this smoke screen with this uh you know with this snowstorm and you see how effective that is at, at just feeling like you can't even see the enemy let alone fight it and it looked terrifying yeah. when it came in too especially when it came in um around the gods the godwoods or godswood like when it just kind of yeah. sunk down in there it was the Oh, there's yeah, that there's no, a, sure. that one shot where the the sort of that front of the snowstorm coming in mm-hmm. and the dragon kind of swoops down out of it and strafes the ground and you see the whole bottom of the cloud bank illuminated mm-hmm. by fire because these clouds are really low it's I, i've been going through all the gifts i can find on <laughs> tumblr looking for all these iconic shots you can just well that and the the shot where they come up over yeah, the clouds too I is amazing it felt, oh. it felt like that that yeah. was like a That's, disney it, shot it kind of reminds me of that <laughs> Well, it reminds me of that scene in the Matrix where they're the, the third Matrix movie, I think, where they're like, you know, going through the the, the ruined city and they for a minute kind of pop up above the clouds and they, it's like beautiful and like calm and serene. And then they dip right back down into the fucking chaos. Like it had a very similar feel to it. Oh, yeah. Well, um, and that was after they had the little uh, the actual battle with the Night King's dragon uh, or one of the you know, brief battles they had where they're kind of like, where are we? And we're just kind of, they're kind of hovering up there and then they kind of look around and just dive back down through the clouds. And I think there's a quote somewhere in the show. I forget Mm -hmm. who says the line, but it's something like if you've ever seen, you know, a a dragon in flight, you can die happy knowing there's no more beautiful thing in the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. Something like Mm -hmm. that, to that effect. And it feels like a Varys quote, but I don't Mm -hmm. know. Yeah, I feel like it might have been Jorah, too. I think it was something Jorah said to uh, Tyrion when he first saw the dragon, possibly, but I could be wrong on that. So somebody out there, mm. let me know in the comments. Maybe. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, kind of following that snowstorm, we get the uh, the trench situation. So the, the 
plan. Um, and again, I think this was a little bit of an oversight in planning on, on, on someone's part because there was no one lead general, uh, is that the dragons were supposed to light the trenches on fire. Um, now they can't do that because they're, they're caught up in, in battle and caught up in the, in the snowstorm and they don't know where the fuck they are. So, you know, the living are desperately trying to light the trench with like torches, which is just, you know, a fool's errand. It's this giant trench and it's like freezing cold and the wind keeps blowing. It's, it's like trying to light a fucking, you know, like a bonfire with a match. It's like impossible. So right, there's wind. Um, I don't even think they had any like actual fuel. They, they don't have fuel. Like, yeah, they don't have oil. Like, yeah. you know, there's no fossil fuel in, in, in Game of Thrones as far as we know. Um, there's, you know, play a real fossil fuel to <laughs> shoot the scene, but none, none in, yeah. that we well, know of. Those, so those like fiery catapult oily ball things, but yeah, they, well, they oh, clearly, that's true. They have some oil, yeah. I guess. They didn't, they didn't probably whale oil, through, but, um, but yeah, um, so that, but so then we get the scene. Well, so then we get Melisandre though. We get this, this incredible scene where Melisandre kind of, uh, you know, walks up and has this, uh, moment where she's trying to light it and the dead are, you know, right you know coming at her rapidly and she can't light it she can't light it and it was uh, uh my nerves so it, 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 it was I have super stressful you know i have questions about this <laughs> moment i have a few questions about this moment because yeah. she has the, the you know the line of of she has a line of communication with the lord of light the lord of light is who has brought uh Beric back from the death seven times the lord of light is who yeah. lets him have the flaming sword the lord of light is who allow what allows her to light all the dathraki uh, you know, bring back John from the dead. Right. So, but she doesn't have the power. He has the power or mm. she, or whoever this Lord of light is, has this power. And we've seen her do things that were wrong. And we know the Lord of light did not look favor favorably upon, um, because he did not bring the favorable outcome for which that sacrifice was a offering for. Right. So sure. he, she, you know, pretty much immediately those swords light up when she wants them to. Uh, but here she says it over and over and over and over, and those logs aren't lighting on fire, right? So clearly the Lord of Light had a hesitation about that part of it, and it made me wonder what that might be, because uh, you know the last time we saw her lighting logs on fire it was to burn a child to death. <laughs> so <laughs> I almost wondered. Now, you know, I, I sort of joked about it, like, "Oh, is the Lord of Light like, hey, wait a minute, what is she lighting logs on yeah. fire for this time?" I, I like the flaming swords, but the flaming logs, this one has a bad history with, right? You think like the Lord of Light was like on the other line and somebody's like, hey, she's yeah, trying to light the logs on fire. He's like, what? What? Hang on. I can't wait. Uh, right. Give me a minute. I got to I gotta finish this call. Like what? What is she lighting him on fire for? Like what? what's going on? Is she burning another fucking toddler? Like what's going What I think so. And then at last, he's like, oh shit. All right, fine. <laughs> yeah. So that's sort of like the, the humorous version of it, right? But I think the real version is that, you know, she's she's doing something to try to stop the dead and you see that one jump at her and you see literally just like a skull coming right at her face right and mm -hmm. you know i think the lord of light was sort of waiting hesitating as a way to to remind her that you know this is um but she's not powerful yeah. she's no, but it's, power. she has misused her power before and that it, it's not always going to be at her fingertips and sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes you don't get what you want and she has had these moments of doubt where she did things that she thought were right that turned out to be horribly wrong, that were not morally correct and weren't the thing that the Lord of Light actually wanted her to do. Um, so the Lord of Light's kind of like reminding her of that in that moment, I think. And 
we see once that fire lights up, the fire is reflected in her eyes. And we also know that looking into the fire is a way to see visions of the future. And mm -hmm. she has this moment of terror because she thinks she might about be dying and without her Lord there giving her the power that she needs to have in that moment. But also immediately we see that fire reflected in her eyes and we think, you know, possibly she sees something else. We know even the hound can see visions in the fire. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's, there's something else going on there. It's definitely left open to interpretation, but there's definitely uh, a reason for it. And we don't know exactly what it is, but something's going on between her and that Lord of Light that uh, well, you know what I think? suggests a, a hesitation of that uh, divinity. Yeah. Well, I mean, n two things. Number one, I think what she might have saw, uh, especially now considering that she's dead and she has nothing else to really do, is she might have saw the end game of this episode, mm -hmm. which is why she kind of gives... And again, I don't want to jump far ahead, but why she kind of gives the motivational pep talk that she does a little later in the episode. Um, but we'll get into that in a few minutes. But the uh, other explanation, and this is not as satisfying and it might not be true, but it also could have just been like, you know, a, a bit of a bit of a Hollywood note where it was like, well, let's see if it's going to light at the let, you know, like the kind of like. <laughs> you know <laughs> trying to light the fuse and the enemies are running at you and it's not happening it's not happening it happens like literally as the clock ticks down to one you know it could have been that kind of a, a more of a hollywood beat but sure there is but also the possibility that, that it has the yeah but you know it's not like you're trying to get the car well, to start <laughs> and, I, you know well do i but that's what i mean it's the the game of old world equivalent of trying to get the car to start right sure. before you get like sure. you know as you were gonna say but something. also yeah oh yeah um, well, yeah i took it up. more of like it was kind of like a testament to her faith like you know he's just kind of testing her like you know just keep saying the prayer yeah. like she does hesitate for a second takes like a little break um but uh she keeps saying her prayer and then he ultimately is like okay like i'll save you guys again you know I just took it mm -hmm. as like a testament right. to like testing her faith. It's also, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, cause she, she knows that she's done things wrong that were not what the Lord of light wanted. It's so kind of sadistic coming that, from like the Lord of lights. view. like, uh, I'm just going to yeah. wait till the last <laughs> second. But I also, I also don't mm -hmm. know how, you know, it took her a long time to revive John. So, I mean, it's not necessarily the case that she's like super powerful and can, summon the magic the the kind of uh light magic of the lord of the light you know in an instant it takes her uh, you know some time to kind of beckon to him you know yeah. like i mean it, again this is all mystical <laughs> bullshit so we don't know how it actually works but it, it it's not like the swords were instantaneous but not everything that she's tried to do via uh blood magic or lord of the light you know kind of assistance happens instantaneously so you think the lord so of light still it has to kind of like think it over sometimes like hmm let me I mean, let me run some computations here and see if this <laughs> how this plays out and whether i really want it he's got to kind of like dr strange I mean, he, he could have know? some performance anxiety he might you know you might need a little bit of a pep talk to kind of you know get get the get the dander up to to really you know perform so i don't know i mean he's a fucking <clears throat> the, the mysterious god being so who knows? Um, but so, I, you know, that scene was interesting. And, I, you know, that was that was a great moment. And that really lighting the trenches gave them enough of a slowdown to to <clears throat> reach the end game of the yeah. of the episode. Uh, but also provide a little bit more illumination immediately too. because yeah. <laughs> like, I felt like that's all yeah. her real purpose for the episode was just <laughs> trying to like light the scenes better. So thank you, Melisandre. 
<laughs> yeah, no, we appreciate it. My eyes appreciate it, although it still did kind of recovering from yesterday um i i was saying this i should have fucking like stared at a candle with one eye covered for like 30 minutes before i watched this episode like that old fucking pyrotechnique of like going into battle at night just to just to be able to see the shit i mean i had all my lights out and you know still it was like eh. but um so uh then we we kind of get that little interlude in the crypt um you know safest place in winterfell of course you know sitting sitting among dead bodies when you when you have an enemy that can raise the dead great fucking plan uh but before that happens we get this nice little kind of chat with uh sansa and Tyrion, and you kind of, where she kind of was like hey you know uh you, you were the best of them like you know talking about all of her ex-husbands <laughs> he's like well you know not not really much competition but uh, but i appreciate it anyway i mean it was just him and I thought that was really Bolton, kind of right it wasn't was there somebody else and joffrey or no, 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 no. Uh, well, yeah. Joffrey was one of her suitors. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. Like, Close enough. We get the we get the idea. Close, okay. yeah. But um, yeah, for he for sure he's he's the best of them. But um, yeah. So I, I really like that moment. I really like the two of them together. Um, you know, I, I I think they they have that kind of bond of like you know even back when he was kind of forcibly married to her, uh, he was always like you know really apologetic about it and trying to treat her you know nice like when she was being just horribly fucking yeah he was the sweetest mercilessly they would definitely be a power couple if they were together Uh uh-huh yeah um so you know we get that little interlude uh then we get one of the most amazing but also heart-wrenching scenes of the episode um so we see the kind of the, the army of the dead break through into the gates of winterfell um, you know, climbing over the walls, break through the gates, and we see uh one one, the giant, uh break through the uh the door uh to Winterfell. Uh and you know, everyone's fucking terrified, nobody will take him on. Uh he comes across uh, you know, little fucking Leanna Mormont. Just just uh, an incredible little firecracker of a human being and uh you know, he slapped her aside, which was really fucking harrowing. I yeah. don't know about you I guys when you're watching. Oh, like, oh, just looked like a little doll just getting smacked to the side. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, she uh, she could be dead just from that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I thought she was. And so, but then we get the scene where he picks her up to kind of crush her in his hand. And it's horrible, but she gets that just amazing fucking, you know moment right before he picks her up where she just gives him that like that like battle scream into his face and then he picks her up and you know like oh my god well, he's gonna crush her and she it, it's just goes out the way that she's she's been this entire series she goes out like a yeah, fucking she, boss well but we've never she seen the her fucking do giant. anything it's always been talk from her we've never actually no, seen I know. it and then we just see it and it's so satisfying because it's like the only reason why we think she's so bad is because everyone takes her seriously we've never actually seen her do the things that that Arya's done yeah. right uh, and it's also ironic, especially because, you know, just one episode ago, we got to see Tormund claiming to have killed a giant. And we know it's total bullshit because <laughs> even he could not kill a giant. And then immediately we see a tiny little girl do it. Now she yeah. loses her own life, but still um, she fucking did it. Biggest little fucking bear on the planet. <clears throat> Leanna Mormont. Right. I know that was a bummer. <laughs> but the, but that was great. That was a great death for a character that wasn't even supposed to really be a thing on the show yeah but she was just so amazing and everyone loved her so much they're like we got to find more <laughs> shit for her to do well it, and um, that's I, I don't know you know what what 
George R. R. Martin had planned further down the road, and and I have a lot of questions about what what he had outlined and how this episode ends versus what the what the showrunner yeah, we'll, decided. We'll talk about that. That's um, a big question. Too. But yeah, I, I you know I kind of wonder like, well, was she a bigger character in the book <laughs> that they were only going to have that be? just one scene in the actual show they were going to cut the rest of that out but they got you know they cast her so well that they decided to bring more for the book or did they create that I, on their own so uh, i don't want to jump too far but i don't think that a large chunk of this episode is going to be similar in the book like i think this is i think we're considerably off book maybe if not like in what happens in terms of the event order of events um and, and we'll talk a little more about why later, but I, I really think that the show, I, I think the book, it, it's very telling that the book is, the book series is called The Song of Ice and Fire, and then this TV series is called Game of Thrones, because the series has always kind of told us like, yeah, the Army of the Dead is not as important as the actual intrigue of all these complex, interesting human characters, Versus where I think George kind of finds the, you know, good versus evil aspect of the series to be the most compelling. So there is a chance that he might end up ending the books with the battle of the the living and the dead. And he's usually said that the, the contrary of that. He's usually said he doesn't like just good versus evil, that everyone has the capacity for evil. Uh, and to what degree... But then he creates well, a character like the Night King. It's well, like, well, that's... He's, he's always... Was he on set with them for this season? No, he hasn't been around at all. Right. I, he, there, there's some rumor that he's kind of on the outs with them because, you know, he feels weird, like weird about the show passing his books, but also like, dude, don't be yeah. so fucking lazy. I mean, you said you were going to have the books out by the time the fourth season was, right. you know. Well, he likes doing interviews done. for the TV show more than he likes writing the books. So that's, that's on him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't say that they're doing a bad job, but it's also, you know, like I had sort of predicted the, the Night King just represents death in and of itself right and that was very well reflected with the the way things were phrased in this episode sure uh that you know and the the things that barrick had said in the the frozen lake episode that you know you can't beat death but you still we still have to try you know and he's Mm -hmm. talking about literal death there not the night king right um yeah and you know we'll we'll get to kind of some of the more of that a little bit later on i think too yeah so um, we kind of get that little interlude with uh, with the battle where it basically becomes like a 20 minute Walking Dead episode, which is way better. <laughs> and, and it turns into a way better Walking Dead episode than any episode The Walking Dead's ever done, where it's just like this incredible like horror movie level tension of Arya trying to like kind of avoid detection in the in the library uh, of Winterfell. Um, well, she also just got her fucking where, head bashed in. She got she has this huge head wound that's bleeding that would yeah. have knocked out most people cold, and she doesn't have all of her fighting sense now. She doesn't have her weapon with her anymore, so she's kind of trying to, you know, use some of her her guile <laughs> to to avoid a full on <laughs> conflict because she realizes the whole battle. Well, the scariest part about that scene is that you don't hear the battle outside anymore. And as an audience, I'm sitting there thinking, like, is the battle done? Is it really just a few people hiding out now and that's all that's left and the battle's totally finished? That was a little confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that they and I think they kind of talked about this in the after, you know, like uh, show thing they do, the little five minute thing they do at the end of the episode where they were like, 
we, we figured it would be a little tiresome if we never took a break from the battle or at least like took a break from the dark, you know, epic, like just bodies colliding into each other kind of battle that was going on outside to kind of tell little side stories, which I think we kind of thought about that thought they would do last week, but I'm glad that they did it of in a course. way that wasn't like yeah, forced. Even if you film like you know, Mad Max Fury Road, you have to slow it down at certain points. Otherwise you just get fatigued. Um, but yeah, every time they cut away to just one person's, you know, kind of side story, you're, you're anxious for what's happening there, but also anxious because you don't know what else is happening outside, especially when you can't hear the fight anymore, when you're like, Oh wait, did, did, are we done? (laughs) Is this story already, is this battle already over? Um, and then times when you could hear it, like when they're in the crypts and you hear like a huge commotion at the top of those, the people are trying to get in those doors and get into the crypts and you realize Behind them are a bunch of, you know, like they're going to flood the crypt full of full of dead people. Uh, and, and then the sound just stops and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, there's there's really good soundproofing in the library at Winterfell, I think. is, is Oh, what's yeah. Actually yeah. Happening in yeah they want it to be quiet. They take, they take their library <laughs> etiquette very seriously. When there's, a, when there's a battle going on, you still want to be able to go to the library and read in peace and solitude. <laughs> just imagine like the fucking maester in there. <laughs> All like the fucking zombies that are like, like shambling around. A callback to Ghostbusters when they're in the basement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was um, on. Um, it was so on that's... game revealed too. They said they when like they were trying to plan out how to do this episode, they didn't want it to be just like fighting the whole time. They said they made it so it'd be like three mm-hmm. different genres all in like one episode. So you have the adventure, the adventure yeah, genre. Um, the suspenseful drama uh, or genre and then um the horror genre when R is in the mm-hmm. library sure. but it definitely made it work a lot yeah, better that I, way instead of just like non-stop fighting i i almost felt like the the dragon battle in the sky kind of fell into the horror genre you know where you you get like the whole it rem- yeah, it reminded me of like the kind of best aspects mm. of the 2014 Godzilla movie. Yeah. You know, like it had that kind of that epic scale of like like certain like battle scenes from that movie. Like I I really got like strong vibes of that, which I consider a compliment because I think that movie is super underrated. Well, but um, that that was my big question. I don't know if we're quite ready to talk about that yet. It was like, what happens when? our dragons fight the zombie mm. dragon like whose fire wins that yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what what uh, you know is is danny a, who can be burned and not die um can what about that blue fire can she be burned by blue fire and what the fuck is blue fire plasma i have so many questions godzilla fire <laughs> exactly. well and it kind of doesn't really address those which was it just you know powerful like a powerful it, blast because it just destroys shit it, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily like put it on yeah. fire. Yeah, and I mean it, you know, elements of it were kind of just like, you know, don't think about it too much because it is magic, but like uh, you know, it, it might have been a little awkward if we got like a super heavy explainer of like, well, this is what dragon fire is, and this is what, you know, the Ice King's oh, dragon fire. Yeah. Like, so and, I, I you know, I'm cool with it kind of just being like not a factor. I wanted to see it, not hear about it. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Um yeah. But yeah, that that sky battle you knew was was gonna come eventually once you realized the Night King was on scene there. And we had all these theories about like why was the Night King not in the in the trailer? Is he flying off to King's Landing already? And then once you see, he's just above them all, hovering yeah. over it. What about and that first shot? Like, of him? Oh, fuck. That first shot of him was really yeah. creepy. 
like his face is out of he focus, was, yeah. and, but you can see his eyes. And then he's reaching towards the ground, and that's when he uh, gets those whites to start using their bodies to put the fire out, the fire trenches. Out. Right. Well, and that was the part that that Ash and I were talking about that reminded us of Avengers: Infinity War. Yes. You know where they're trying to get through the shield In around. Wakanda. Uh, Wakanda, yeah, like the dog thing yeah. or whatever. And she says, "We've got blood. Yeah. We've got blood to spare." Uh-huh. Uh, and they just start like tearing their bodies through that force field, and that's exactly what what the Night King does too. And they're like, "Oh, a little little parallel there, nice." Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so you know, we we have the scene of Arya in the library, and then we kind of that that kind of goes to shit because uh, she's discovered and she's on the run and kind of weaponless. So she really for the first time in a long time, we see a kind of uh, moment of, of not helplessness, but, for, but definitely sheer terror on Arya's face when she's just overwhelmed by the overwhelming number of, of dead that she's up against, you know, they're chasing her through the halls and, you know, surrounding her by from both ends of a hallway. And, uh, you know, they cut to, to Sandor, to the hound, who's, like just having a panic attack because he's surrounded by fire, which we know he's still afraid of because, you know, he's been traumatized by his brother and, uh, you know, everyone just dying all around him. He's like, what the fuck is that? Like, he's just, he can't bring himself to do anything. He's like, what the fuck is the point? We can't do anything. Can't beat them. Um, and then Beric has that great moment of like, Oh yeah, we'll tell that to her. And he, and he, you know, turns around and sees Arya fighting, but running from the, the kind of army of the dead. And that was, that was a really nice beat for Sandor's character where you see like, he's been standoffish with Arya since she's gotten back to Winterfell. Mm -hmm. But like, we knew deep down that he cares about her. And then in that moment, like he's immediately like a fucking, like a proud parent, like, you know, chasing Mm -hmm. after like, well, there's there's another element to it too. And that's that, you know, the hound can look at, you know, a barrack basically, uh, not taught, but uh, showed the hound how to see, look into the fire and see visions of the future mm-hmm. the same way that we know the Red Witch can. And, yeah. you know, when, when he says, you know, we, we can't kill the dead, and he, uh, Barrett points to Arya and says, too. tell that to her. It's almost like he has a recognition of like, oh, wait, she can kill the dead in the way that we can't. We need to save uh-huh. her. It's not just that he's saving her because he likes Arya. It's that suddenly, he, with his ability to see the future in the fire, that you know, possibly he sees that yes, she's the one. She's the one that can actually kill the Night King. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then right after that, we get the scene where they're where they're you know trying to kind of help it, trying to save Arya in the hallway. And Beric does that really yeah. boss ass move of like shucking <laughs> his sword like a <laughs> like a fucking axe and like nails yeah. the the the. The and dead, he literally and he, saves her know, right he, before she was about to die. Like she was going to get impaled yeah. right then by by the one that was on top of her that knocked down the door with her. And now he's weaponless, right? Now he has no weapon, yep. but he had served his purpose. He did. He was brought back to life, you know, however many times by the lore of light for that one moment to save her. And after that, he's no longer needed. And he gets taken down. You notice he's the most devout of all of them. I mean, the Red Witch is pretty devout mm-hmm. for their faith that he's like without having any real powers of his own, he's the most devout, faithful one of that religion. And when he gets taken out, his arms are outstretched, grabbing the sides of the doorway, and he's getting stabbed. Very Christ-like, if you oh, notice. Oh, yeah. Reminded me, it, it's yes, very Hodor-like. Exactly it reminded me of that as well. <laughs> but 
but yeah, no, I mean, he knew that, I think he knew deep down that that's what he was brought back to do, or maybe he didn't know maybe until that moment exactly. But I think at that moment he realized that that's what he was brought back to do to, to fulfill his purpose, to save Aria. And that's what Melisandre says to Aria kind of right after that, when they kind of have that moment alone, uh, where she was like, well, that's, that was why the Lord of light brought him back all these times is because he was supposed to save you. Um, and I maybe I should have realized in that moment what that meant for the end game of the episode, but it still didn't quite occur to me because it was just something that was so out of left field. But uh, and then you know, Malisandre at that moment gives gives Arya that that pep talk of like you know, uh, you can't give up. Like you, you know what you, d- d- everything you know. Like what do we say of the God of Death? And then she says, "Not today." And that's that's the you know her saying but that's also a great bit of yeah, foreshadowing because but that's that's not a saying that sorry ashka oh what were you saying Ash? i was saying yeah seriously all the way back to season one it's literally like she's been training for this her whole life but but here's the mm-hmm. thing is melisandre has no idea that 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 the exactly. guy said that to her. i mean she does know but she wasn't there to hear it Right, the same way that when she walks past uh, Grey Worm, yeah. she she says that line to him, and he repeats it back to her, and we're like, "Whoa, we've never heard these two people ever use those that phrase before." Like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> well, I think Valar Morghulis is more of a common thing sure. in in Westeros, but but the, the God of Death thing was just Cyril yeah. Farrell saying that he was trying to install her. And there's actually a lot of theories about it. was Ciro Farrell just a guy or was he somebody more significant or like a lot of people think he was actually uh, the faceless man, the assassin that, you know, that we, that she meets later in the house of black and white or the house of the undying, whatever the fuck <laughs> house it was. Um, and no, the house of black and white, it was the house of black and white. Uh, and so, you know, that was just th- that great moment. But again, it really foreshadowed uh, what was to come later in the episode. So I don't know. Um, I'd like to think there's more than one person that taught her things that recognized her potential greatness. Well, definitely. Uh, that, that just kind of say like, oh, that was actually this other guy. It's like, nah, I don't know. I think there's definitely. But I mean, that's when her, that's when her like fighting and like that whole like career of hers took off <laughs> was with him. Well, the. I think there was the reason people thought that was because there's some book book hints that are, there's a lot of stuff in the book that's hinted at a lot more than is on the show just by nature of sure. having, you know, way more time uh, to do things like that. So I think that's why. But it, it's really irrelevant either way, because I mean, she well, is, we also don't ever see him die either. It's implied. Oh, well, that's the other big thing people say is like, you know, if you don't die on screen. <laughs> Uh, did you really die? But also, Stannis kind of put that to rest because he died off screen. But we know he's dead for now. You know, we, at this sure, point, we realize. Sure. He's but isn't dead. it? It was very early, at, uh, early on after it's implied that he dies that suddenly Arya is on this little stagecoach with this uh, wagon with three prisoners in it. Exactly. That's well. That's that's. I think that might have been part of why people thought it too. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, a bit, a weird bit of mm-hmm. symmetry um which kind of set and it also makes you wonder how much of ari well i'll I'll save that so uh (laughs) i'm trying so hard not to talk about it because there's so much else to get through before we get to it um because it really is the linchpin of potentially the entire series so um we get the scene uh after that where danny uh, kind of gets this moment, you know, they knock uh, the Night King off of off of his off of Viserion, his dragon. Wait, can we talk about and, the um, eyes quote first? <laughs> Melisandre's which, like brown eyes, green eyes and blue eyes quote. 
Well, I want to I save that till we actually talk about the end scene because that's that's important to the end scene. But we'll we'll definitely chat about that. I have a lot of thoughts. A lot, lot of thoughts Anthony about that. Jeremy but, likes um, to kind of go through the episode chronological order, I've noticed. so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we assume everyone that, that has listened or is listening to this has seen the whole episode. Of course, yeah. Uh, but yeah, structure. But I, but I don't want to get too derailed into, yeah, because then we'll never get okay, back to the episode. So <clears throat> the uh, the dragon fire, uh, we get the dragon fire scene where, where essentially Danny comes upon the Night King who's... Uh, kind of like just caught in the middle of a field he's got knocked off his dragon he's a little disoriented and she you know comes up on him and, and blasts him with the dragon fire and i don't think anyone on the planet would thought that that shit was going to work in that moment i was like obviously this is not going to work um, well, i thought it was going to work and, for a moment but that it it wouldn't actually kill all the rest of the the you know it wouldn't do what we thought it was going to oh, do i kind of thought like oh yeah maybe because you know brand says no one's ever done this before no one's ever tried that before so I thought, well, maybe maybe that's the thing, that, you know, maybe that's the thing that it's going to do. But if no one's ever tried it before either, then the Night King probably didn't know if it would work either. And you see him smile and you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, <all> right. <laughs> he's probably like, oh, shit. He, he might not have known if yeah. it would have worked. Um, but which you know, um, did, so that was uh, right that before sucks, that uh, one little bit I wanted to mention with there's that that duel in the air between uh, John's dragon and the zombie dragon who are about the same mm. size. And, you know, our John's dragon gets, gets the upper hand a little bit and, you know, tears half the face off of the zombie dragon, but then gets its like stomach slashed and it ends up crashing to the ground. Uh, and John gets thrown off and, and we don't see the, that his dragon for the rest of the episode. But before that happens, we see Drogon come in and you realize how much bigger Drogon is than the others. Because when it comes in, it's like fucking Godzilla. <laughs> and you see yes, the Night King yeah. just go fucking flying off that thing and just, you know, falling down to earth with the same look on his face. He always has, uh, I might add. But... <laughs> that kind of brand look of blank. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, this 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 seems like it might not end well um yeah so um we get the uh scene of uh the night king after that kind of bringing everyone back to life uh you know we're well you know right before right after the dragon fire john also who has been dumped from his dragon is on the ground and is charging at the night king and they kind of have that stare down where the night king turns around and looks at him and you kind of the, the language of of movies tells you like okay well this is when they're going to have their big one on one fight uh but the night king kind of bitches out and raises up you know all the all the kind of dead soldiers around him to to block john off at the pass so uh that was an interesting bit of subversion from what i from what you know typically happens in fantasy movies but it's also a lot smarter on the night king's part to not take this guy on one on one where he could potentially kill you um, you know, and just say, oh, fuck it, let, let, you know, <laughs> this guy's the thorn in my side. Let everyone else. I was a little surprised because he raises up a few of them and a few step into his path. But if he had momentum and just had that sword out, just fucking hacked his way through without slowing down, he still could have got to him. I kind of felt like it was more of like a psychological yeah, thing just... where John kind of was like, you know, there weren't that many in his and path was, yet. They yeah. didn't really come for him. Either. And he was trying to run through they just them. Stood there. He was trying to run through them first. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he seemed like he was trying to run through them before they were reanimated to get to the Night King. But then I thought he was going to, like, get to him before that. But um, it, it was weird. At the end, he kind of just stopped, maybe because there were too many in front of him. But um, 
in any event, it's I would have liked to see them it's an fought, interesting... like, fought together though. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I would I would have too, although yeah, I don't know. I I mean, well I think maybe when we talk about like the reactions people had to this episode, we'll chat about that a little cuz that was actually one of the biggest critiques of the episode is that it didn't kind of contain that, but I don't think that's necessarily yeah. a bad thing. Um but we'll we'll chat about that. So the um you know, then we get the kind of raising up of everybody. Uh, we see Liana come back, uh, you know, as a, as a <laughs> little zombie, which was really unfortunate. Um, then, you know, the, the kind of crypts of Winterfell come alive, although we don't really see anyone of significance. We just see kind of random ass Starks come back to life. Uh, you know, we didn't I, presumably, I mean, maybe people will be will find Easter eggs after the fact, but I don't think we got a reanimated Ned or a reanima- reanimated uh, Rickon or anyone I've that we heard actually that, know. Like, no. It was just Who's the whites digging through the walls and it wasn't necessarily them down there. Oh, maybe. Well, that's yeah. definitely not true because we saw the people that climbed out of those crypts were definitely in, in shrouds they would have been buried in. Um, you know, and they didn't look anything like the whites. They looked like they had were you know just dust all almost. You know, like not much left. Uh, I gotta watch it again because like everything, it was really hard to see that well, what was happening. A, but I'll double check. At least a, a few minutes of deleted scene uh, they shot of Sansa and Tyrion actually fighting them and killing them. Right. So there really? could have been other stuff yeah. that they you know there there could have been scenes where they did have you know. Uh, 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 a Ned Stark or, you know, I guess it'd be like a Ned Stark carrying his own head kind of a, oh my God. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so there was, there was, it was implied that after they had the little, little moment of hiding, they pull those knives out and they kind of like show them start to get up, but we don't really show anything after that. But there was a deleted scenes where I've seen footage of, um, you know, hmm. a little short middle clip of, um, you know, the, the monitors, like somebody filming the monitors of the footage mm-hmm. of them, uh, sneaking up behind some of the White Walkers and killing them. It's possible they just cut it for time because this episode was super fucking long to begin with, and you got to make tough cuts sometimes with episodes this long. Sure, yeah. You know? I mean, it's um, they said everyone was going to be shown fighting, and I'm kind of sad because so many people say, "Oh, Sansa, what a bitch!" She just you know went and hid when it got tough, and it's like that's not what she fucking does. She's there to make sure everyone has food. All right, <laughs> <laughs> she's not there to fucking fight anything. But they did yeah. shoot scenes of her fighting. So there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and actually that scene has one of my favorite moments from the episode. And a really, I think a really nice moment in the series, uh, like, right. So, you know, Tyrion and Sansa are kind of hiding behind this, this big crypt, uh, just because, you know, they happen to have been positioned there. I think when the, when the dead broke through and they're like, well, fuck, we're kind of cornered. And Tyrion has this kind of really nice tender moment where he kind of grabs Sansa's mm-hmm. hand and kisses it right before, I think they're they're presumably either going to go into battle and or, you know, kill themselves so they don't get ripped apart to death by zombies. It's kind of unclear. Um, and I, I don't know. I just thought that was a really nice moment uh, for Tyrion's character to have. And it, and, and, it, and it was a really kind of a brave moment of his, too, because it was he wasn't just, you know, he, he seemed resigned to his fate one way or the other. I mean, technically, they're still I, married. I really like that beat. I mean, d- technically, they are still <laughs> it's married. It's true. Yeah, they never got. You can't just marry someone if you're already married. That's not a real marriage. So, marriage yeah. screams. But it was a real. It was definitely a tender moment of like, look, you've been through some horrible shit, and this is a really shit way for you to die. Right. So I'm really sorry that you've done oh, this. But and she always thought know. he was honorable because that, that he didn't to just uh, hop on her and start trying to pump out babies like his uh, father told him to. Yeah. 
or like Ramsey did mm. later. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I really like that beat uh, for their characters, and then they ended up kind of uh, getting saved uh, because again, this is all rolling into the end game of the episode, the last uh, scene, uh, which was really all these kind of different locations in Winterfell kind of coming to a head at the same time. You know, the the dead are down in the crypts, about to kill all of the uh, the kind of defenseless uh, members of Winterfell. The dead have kind of overrun the walls and they're really, uh, uh, you know, completely swamping the living. You know, we see shot of Jamie and Brienne really just, uh, you know, looking like they're about to just be engulfed by these by these white. She got, I mean, um, Brienne got engulfed from the first moment. I mean, every time she's. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that they didn't <laughs> die. Like they were the front line of this fucking battle. You know, every like, time that she ridiculous. swings a sword, she like screams like she's dying. Like, you ever, have you ever watched women's tennis before? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, most female tennis players, King, a lot right? of guys do it too, but almost all female tennis players just throw some extra <laughs> oomph into the shot. We'll just fucking be like, yeah, you know, they do that kind of shit. And Brianna of Tarth does it in a way where you're like, oh shit, is she dead? Oh wait, no, she's good. She's good. All right, she's she just. <laughs> it's like a it's like some lunk at the gym, like really like lifting way more weight than they're, they're capable. Like, yeah, like well, it fucking... it works. It's intimidating, but yeah, there was there's there's that great um, the great shot of them sort of fighting back to back in profile against the the fire, uh, you know, sort of shining through the yeah. through the snow coming through. Um, that a lot of people will like there's there's like gift sets on Tumblr where you can post multiple gifts in one uh, one post and it's like bat that like them back to back fighting and then like uh uh Ray and Kylo Ren back to back fighting and they kind of just sort mm-hmm. of comparing a little bit yeah yeah a couple comparisons to Ray uh from that ep- from that movie in this episode um so then uh you know we cut back to Bran at the Weirwood um also, by the way, what the fuck was Bran doing? Like this whole episode, like what what, what was he? What did he warg into the the crows for? Because he was like bored waiting for the Night King. He's kind of <laughs> just kind of wanted to get a get. But, but then he doesn't tell anyone anything. He doesn't come out of the warging until like the second the Night King is about to walk into his fucking. He didn't have to tell anyone anything his, because he knew that everything was going exactly as he knew it would. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, that's that. The my my thinking on that is kind of similar to that is where i think he maybe didn't want to have to answer a bunch of questions because he knew that that was the end game that had to happen so the he was trying to kind of happen. go away from... <laughs> what so what's well, no what's, that was the sequence of no, events exactly. that had to happen you, you know if i tell you it might not turn out the way it's supposed to right mm-hmm. so um you know we we get that scene where he comes out of his uh warging and you know, Theon uh, in kind of his last big heroic moment in the series. And, you know, Theon's somebody that I think gets a lot of shit and deserved for, for the most part. But, you know, even last week, I think we were saying like, yeah, I don't really give a fuck if Theon dies. They, the show did a good job of giving him a valiant enough uh, final act where I was like, oh, man, you know, like that's a really nice redemption for him. A character who's really done a lot to redeem uh, being just in an in, insufferable shit the entire series like he's done a lot to redeem himself and he really only was you know that last shit one time it was just a really bad one time <laughs> it was just a really bad fuck i mean dude that's yeah. a bad fucking you know 
Well, you, um, you, you and, remember, but then even beyond that, he was been a coward as well. Like I don't you think know. so. I think he, you know, when he faced certain death in the face with his sister getting captured, he was like, "Well, fuck this! I'm I'm going to die. I'm not going to die for this. I might have a chance to save her later on." And he was right, right. But now he's in a moment where it's like yeah. he's facing certain death again, and he takes it head on. So you know what? He, the funny thing is, he might have actually survived if he had just waited a few minutes. Right? If he would have just like climbed but, up in um, a tree and hid there for a little while, <laughs> a couple more minutes, Theon, you could have. But uh, but you know, but what he was after the whole time was just this kind of vindication that he's not an, a, a a bad person. That you know, and Bran slash Three Eyed Raven kind of gives that to him, where he looks at him, he says, you know, Theon, you're a good man. Uh, you know, and Theon that kind of gives him the the boost he needs to make the kind of final push at the night king um which uh, you know might have been essential to distracting the night king long enough for for what happens just, just delaying uh, him you know. to the perfect moment yeah yeah so um you know uh everyone kind of is is dead uh around bran you know all the troops have died but then theon killed basically all the whites that were uh setting upon them uh but then you know the night king rolls in with his crew of uh vigo lookalikes and <laughs> they <laughs> they stroll up to him and it's oh, like God. what the fuck is gonna happen here like what you know like that that was one of the most like uh, I, I i at that moment had no fucking clue what was gonna happen in the episode and the last thing ever that i think any of us expected to happen in that moment despite the foreshadowing happened and it was uh, <laughs> maybe the best episode this entire series has ever had best moment the series has ever had just you know a night king uh with that fucking epic building score reaches back for his fucking sword and right at that moment we see you know a, a hair on the one of the white walkers head like head just kind of goes you know yeah like blows and and you see fucking aria like a <laughs> spider monkey leaping out of nowhere i mean i would can you think of a more iconic, memorable, unexpected climax to any television no, show? No, I, I really can't. We, we've watched the reaction videos where people, hundreds of people in a bar with big screen TVs are just, you know, their their mouths are hanging open as that arpeggio was playing. And you see that, you know, the 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 white with his hair kind of like whiffs like something just raced past him and he kind of turns his head and then out of the darkness you see her flying down <laughs> and hundreds of people just start cheering in these bars doing these watch parties and then he catches her by the throat the night king catches like, her by the throat and everyone just goes they're just like yeah <gasps> yeah i've never seen anything like that in my life no and it was incredible and i and i at that moment i was like oh, like it 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 did this amazing thing where it just ran your gamut of emotions from like sheer like resignation of like fuck this is over to oh my god oh, Arya's yeah. gonna fucking stab him in the back and kill him to oh my god he's gonna kill our yeah. favorite one of our favorite characters <laughs> in the entire series to Arya yeah. is a fucking boss and pulls an awesome you know assassin move and just stabs well, this motherfucker in the and, gut and, 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 it, it and wins the whole fucking almost thing. the same switch hands on the dagger move she did with with uh -huh. Brian when she was sparring with, with Brian. yeah but they do it in slow motion and the the way they shot it we we're looking straight up at that knife falling and you see the night king just ever so slightly turn and look down at that knife falling and <laughs> It's just the the way because they don't usually do slow motion stuff on this show. They don't change reality. No, almost everything is shot normal frame rate. 
Um, the, the audio that's there is there. They don't take out the audio and just do music score very often. Even with the, the mm-hmm. piano piece with the, with the set blowing up, they never took the audio of the scene out of the, of those uh, moments. And yeah. Yeah. You still get the Foley of like the background and everything, you know, Arya Stark MVP. Um, there was nobody you, better you know, just, that, that would have been able to protect brand better. Like sh- 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 she was the yeah. one that was going to take the and Night King down. She's the best fighter in their entire world. Well, that's the thing that, you know, it, it seems Obvious like such a thing. Uh, 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 well, it, well, so like on the face of it, it seems like such an out of nowhere thing. But also, like you just said, like it's an obvious thing. If you really think about it, she's the best fucking fighter. She's a, a trained yeah. assassin. You know, John is a brave guy, but he's not like the world's no. best fighter. I mean, and, I don't think he would beat Brianna. And when they were talking about John like wouldn't think to hide when they were talking, <laughs> when they were talking about um who was going to protect Bran, too. And like Dion's like, oh, I will. And I'm just like, what is he talking about? Like, he's like, oh, like dude, I'm so just like, dead. if like... anybody in that room should do it, it's Arya or John. And like, mm-hmm. John was making his way towards him, but he wasn't going to get there. By the way, Arya, Arya could easily play wide receiver for any NFL team because she made it oh from God. the fucking uh, the, the the library of of Winterfell to the fucking Godswood in like record time. Like she was fucking booking it, and it's it's amazing when you actually go back and look at. And a lot of people have like kind of pointed out the kind of foreshadowing that the show has done for this moment, which actually makes me think that maybe this is where Martin's story is heading because. Um, there's so much foreshadowing that Arya was going to yeah. be the one to kill the Night King. And, you know, somebody, um, I think so somebody brought up show, like, how Bran said, you were, <laughs> how Bran said, yeah. like, no one can defeat the Night King. And it's like, yeah, no one can. <laughs> yep. That's right, motherfucker. No one can and no <laughs> one did. Um, so, you know, it, I think a lot of an issue with the it's not it's not an issue but i think a lot of people go into the show like really like devoted to the idea of like every prophecy is going to come true on this show right and like everyone's like well obviously azora high is going to be john and he's going to come back and he's going to come back from the dead and you know he's going to kill the night king and he's going to you know sit on the iron throne and it's like yeah i mean you know prophecies are open to interpretation just like anything else and you know uh and they don't just because somebody on the show prophesizes it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen. Uh, you know, we've seen varying degrees of prophecies coming true, but we've also seen, like in Melisandre's case, misreading a prophecy and thinking it meant, you know, that someone else was supposed to be the the chosen one, or mi- thinking something else was supposed to happen when really it's not the first thing that you expect. So, you know. Everyone assumed that John was going to be the one to kill the Night King, but also if if you were watching it with an eye towards it, there were plenty of clues that Arya would be the one to kill the Night King. So, you, like you mentioned, the no one thing. Um, we also get the in season three. Obviously, there's the conversation between Melisandre and Arya, where they're. Um, I think it's right when she's uh, taking Gendry gendry uh, like prisoner or whatever and and you know uh sansa gets in her face and she's like you know what are you going to do with it what are you going to do to him you're blah blah and then malisandra kind of has a vision in her eyes and she says to her uh i see a darkness in you and in that darkness eyes staring back at me brown eyes blue eyes green eyes eyes sealed shut forever 
So people pointed out Walder Frey, brown eyes, the Night King, blue eyes, uh, and green eyes can refer to one of two people. Uh, you know, so my initial thought, of course, was Cersei. Um, but you sent me that meme today, and I, I it just never really occurred. I, I'm not a big like eye color person; never occurred to me. Uh, Danny also has green eyes, yep. so that really could go either way. Um, <laughs> well, that's a really wait, interesting you could if you look say, really close. Littlefinger has like gray green eyes, and you could be interpreted as Littlefinger as well. Yeah, because yeah. well, the quote she says yeah. in this fabulous. The quote Melisandre says in this episode. I don't know if like the sequence necessarily matters, but she says brown eyes, green eyes, and blue eyes. So I don't know. Yeah, in this, in this one. Episode. The other one, it was like switched around. But okay. this one, so I mean, it could be taken as like mm. she already killed the person with green eyes. That's true. We'll that's see. True. So I guess but we'll, they know that our yeah. Uber fans are like Zupruder filming the, <laughs> the every little moment trying to find all the meaning. And they know that they can play against our expectations by, yeah. uh, you know, knowing that we're going to go back and, and find those prophecies and be like, oh, wait, who's the third person? <laughs> who's the third set of eyes going to be, you know? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no, re- yeah. really great job with that. And uh, so, when you when you listen to all of it, and you go back, and you're like, oh my god, they've been telling us for years mm. who it was going to be, you know. And, and I love that. I love that a show can have it be that unexpected, and also have it be completely foreshadowed. And you go back and you go, oh my god, I can't fucking believe I didn't notice all that shit. <laughs> and even more recently, this season, you know, when when Arya meets. Uh, you know, sees uh, Bran again for the first time at the at the Godswood tree. He gives her the Valerian steel dagger, and he says, "Like I don't have much use for this, but uh, you might." And he gives it to her on almost the exact same spot where she stabs the Night King. Like it, it it's it's insane. Like the level of Full of circle, it comes. you know, vision. And I think it really speaks to what we were saying. Our kind of our prediction in the intro podcast or maybe it was episode one that we did where we were saying like bran it's very possible bran is like a kind of a doctor strange figure where he sees every possible outcome and he's like this is exactly what i need to do to make sure that we win and like it may not work but it i I hope it will and this is the only way it can work is if i do these things well Um, i don't i don't think he does know every outcome in that same way no but i think he knows that everything happens the way it's supposed to and that things like this have happened. Now we know that the Night King's been uh-huh. beaten back before, but we don't know if he's ever been destroyed before. So, like you know, maybe um, like Terminator Two style, if you shatter him into a thousand little pieces, eventually those pieces turn <laughs> into like liquid whatever and form back together, and they have to do it again in another two thousand years. We don't know. Uh, but you know, what whatever it is, Bran seems to understand that um, they may or may not win, but the whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's unclear, you know, there's some difference between the show and the book where there's not quite the Night King in the show is not quite does not really exist in the book as we know him. So that there, it's unclear whether or not the show simplified that a little bit for clarity's sake and or, or, or like storytelling sake. But um, from from the language of cinema that we see from the show. I think we're to believe that the Night King that we see is the first White Walker ever created because we see the same actor that plays the Night King was the guy who gets stabbed by the Children of the Forest in the chest and turns into the you know the first White Walker. Um, so it's possible that he's they've never been defeated before and he just 
you know, uh, however they were kept out the first time, you know, they, the, the wall was built and it kept them out, but they didn't actually defeat them. So in any event, I, I think, I think it's safe to say that the that the White Walkers are defeated. I it, yeah, it's, well, at least for a few thousand back, years, but... you know, <laughs> whatever whatever sure. that may be. So I, I'm just glad the whole like oh the brand is the Night King theory has now been totally oh, put to God, rest. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it mostly, but it it it, 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 it still could happen. I mean, there's there's still with his time traveling kind of whatever thing, it could happen. But that's it's a cyclical thing, and it's well, like what well, we have. To, we know we'll find out that he has to go back and become the Night King so he can go back. I don't and, see what else could happen in the next three episodes that would predicate that. But you never you never know, know at yeah, this I point. Know. Like I feel like they're they're on a certain well, course, it seems like- but it. Bran has something else to do, and I don't think he's leaving Winterfell, so I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Unless he's just done. You know yeah, I mean? well, I don't I don't know. he's got um, he's got powers. There's got to be something uh, else. When he, he uh, when he warged into those crows, like up until I saw Arya killing the Night King, I thought maybe like he's just taking like his knowledge and everything with him in those crows because he's like legit about to be killed. And that's I thought he was trying to warg but it, yeah. Then Arya came in. Well, so, well, in the books, um, characters have like kind of transferred their life force in the past, like by warging mm-hmm. when they were about to die. So that's a lot of people actually theorize that that's what John did, like into Ghost. It, it ended up not being true, but like that's how he was going to survive or come back to life after he was mm. stabbed, like you know, because everyone thought like, oh, he. So, but but people are actually able to do that. So I kind of thought that, that in that moment, either that was happening or that he was going to try to warg into yeah, like the dragon. I was dragon, hoping he would do that. Dragons. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, having Danny yeah. and John, like the dragons pretty much already do what they tell them to do telepathically anyway. So I don't know what, yeah. what advantage that would have for Brandon to do well, it. But, so uh, a lot of theories were that he was going to warg into the zombie dragon and whether or not he would actually be able to, to take it over, swing the tide. But that, by that point in the episode, it wasn't a factor. It seems like hacky writing to me. Like, that's just kind of like, Oh, you took over the bad dragon and you know, whatever. Like, did you see Andy Richter's (laughs) fucking stupid ass tweet today? Andy Richter Uh from Conan O'Brien was like, you know, it would have been nice if they could have had the, the night King actually say a few words to explain what the hell he was all about. And the, somebody who who well, like took a screenshot of it and posted it and was like, Dave Anthony, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you retweeted that. It basically, just said like, hey, you know, I'm a I'm a, a late night comedian. I, cr- I crave, but shitty, I crave hacky shitty hacky writing. Like, you know, I don't want the fucking night to start talking at the end. You know, like it. it to, to to be fair, if you if you ever watch Conan O'Brien, you know that Andy Richter is is an actual total hack and everything. And if you follow his Twitter, you know he's a total centrist piece of shit who constantly criticizes Bernie and Bernie supporters yeah. and can go fuck himself for for a variety well, of reasons. He's probably but. the kind of guy that wants like Jorah to have like one last line to Danny before he dies, or wants Barrick to have mm-hmm. one last line to Arya before he dies. And it's like no, neither one of them had a single word Comforting to fucking Holly say because Tolkien. they were dying. And when you're dying, sometimes it's better just to kind of be like, I got nothing, <laughs> you know, and it's it's so much more realistic and it's more rewarding for us as an audience that the look in their eyes tells us everything we need to know. You know, what the what the fuck so, was Jorah going to say to Danny in his moment of death there? I love you. I think people just want to hear him say Khaleesi one more time. Yeah, <laughs> but it's stupid. No, um, it is stupid. So I think that brings 
we that kind of brings us to like the the kind of bigger critiques of the episode which is a surprisingly divisive episode which and i really didn't think it would be after watching it but uh it but i think it really speaks to the the divide we've talked about a lot on this podcast about uh kind of diehard fans versus like people who enjoy it because it's the most popular show on television so you're bound to bring in like the casual entertainment viewer you know what i mean so like uh, there are people who just kind of wanted this to be Hollywood bullshit. Like there are people who wanted this to end with a big epic duel, uh, like, you know, where John kills the night King and like, you know, uh, Jorah dies, but he has this big moment where he tells, you know, Danny, they loves like just <laughs> typical, like predictable Hollywood bullshit. People and that are fans of the, the show... gladiator that like Russell Crowe <laughs> <laughs> want to see that whole ending. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I would have been okay with that ending. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, I'm so much happier with what they gave us. Cause they gave us something that we didn't expect that made a lot more narrative sense. Um, you know, or made a lot more logical sense. I mean, you know, Aria being the, everything about Aria's character has built to this moment where like you see her training, you know, even, even her little kind of like fun fake training with Ned, where he tells her to be, you know light as a cat and like the wind and like you know like all this shit and it's like you go back and see all these moments you're like yeah you know it's all leading towards this moment where she fucking gets the drop on the night king and and gets the drop on the most powerful character in this entire series and fucking kills him with this really slick move and and it's just this amazing well if if that was the church chance to kill the night king she would have taken it but it's also the fact that night king's about to kill her brother Right. And and what is mm-hmm. she willing to fucking kill for more than anything? Anyone that fucks with her family. Right. Yeah, like there's, the there's, the there's, nothing, there's no risks she, she won't take if it's to to avenge someone who fucked with her family or who is about to fuck with her family. Um, yeah. That's the phrase what happens when you fuck with the Stark family. <laughs> Uh, you know, but I just I I, I don't want to speak on behalf of women. I should talk about this, but like I definitely felt. You know, like what what do we get as a society when the the the, the biggest MVP fucking kill hero uh, of the most popular show in the world is a, is a young woman? Ash, we yeah. get um, we get it all. I don't know. We we win. Um, it was fucking awesome. I just I know, like um, Amelia said on set, like when they read the script, like all the ladies in the room were, they just started cheering. And then it kind of cut to Kit um, where he was doing a little interview and he's like, I was pissed. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I kind <laughs> of like kidding, joking, of course, but like, but he's maybe fucking around. Right, yeah. But, but nobody, I don't think anybody really expected it. Like, he was like, I would have bet thousands of dollars it was going to be me. And I'm like, yeah, like maybe mm-hmm. most of him really does think that, but you know, this whole this whole um series is it has a lot of powerful women in it. And um it was awesome to see my favorite character come out on top. I'm very proud. Arya's Yeah, Arya's definitely become one of my favorite characters like she was somebody with like i i you always everyone always loved aria aria she was never like a bad character you know like uh, people for a long time didn't like sansa when she was kind of in her bratty like oh i'm a princess phase like where she, you know like that whole before joffrey really did a fucking number on her and i think she really hardened her but um 
you know, even at, at that time, everyone's like, Arya is the fucking best. Yes. Like Arya is like, you know, just, uh, and to, to see them kind of bring her character so full circle this season where she finally kind of, you know, uh, becomes a woman on screen, even though like we talked about, you know, to, no, no fucking kid uh, is 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 like mass murdering, you know, a, a, a dinner of of fucking phrase like that. She was a fucking adult from the moment she saw yeah. her father's head getting chopped sure. off. Sure, she of was her an body. adult, but she wasn't technically a woman until she lost her virginity. If you go by the you know kind of that thinking, but just just to consider, uh, she she lost her virginity and killed the night king the same fucking day she's having a fucking day like, I, <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to see, yeah. i can't wait to They're see everybody's um facial reactions like the next episode just Arya killed the night king like yeah fucking celebrate yeah i'm really interested to see how everyone's gonna react to that like john and every yeah so um yeah but no that for <laughs> sure she <laughs> She petted Gendry and killed the Night King in one episode. That's like the biggest dick energy. I think I, I texted you after that scene. Um, so uh, actually, somebody had a really good tweet though, summing up kind of like all the little foreshadowing. Uh, you know, Beric was brought back to life just to save Arya. That's why his whole arc resulted in that. Melisandre's whole plot was to keep Ar- uh just to help Arya defeat the Night King. The Hound joined the Brotherhood and overcame his fear just to save Arya. And Bran gave her that dagger that was meant to kill him in the exact same spot. So it was it really all the all the pieces were there. So I, I just really love uh, that the, the show kind of, you know, uh, gave us that moment where we, it was kind of a realization at the same time, even though it seemed like out of left field. Um, well, it's it's what they call a clockwork you know, universe, you know, like like Breaking Bad um, has been or was how walking dead has been at some point where everything you see on screen has a purpose that pays off later and it might be many seasons later and they may not even tell you what the callback is but they trust that you're a fan that's smart enough to kind of put those pieces together um there's even explicitly like the plane crash and breaking bad like that you know that opening scene with the teddy bear that doesn't get paid off for like oh three yeah seasons or yeah and it, it doesn't even have like a, a, a huge chunk of meaning to it it's just a, a yeah. thing that connects visually but you know one of there's other shows that are popular on tv that i've watched recently and one of the things that i've noticed is there's a show uh that, that is also hbo i believe they foreshadow things right before they happen which makes it fe- seem like just like <laughs> Like they like, oh, you just spoiled it. You didn't foreshadow it. You spoiled it Um, rather than have a, a, you know, something set up that you don't pay off until many seasons later. And you go, oh, that's what that fucking was. They just right before it happens, they reveal, you know, very obviously what's going to happen. So I I love a show that can trust people, the audience to be smart enough and, and intelligent enough to, you know, stick with it. And remember those details. And that's how you grow uh, a worldwide fan base and, and not just casual fans, but it's how you make people more cinematically literate and appreciate, you know, the, the, the extra work that goes into writing these stories that are this complex. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, you know, another critique that people had of this episode is obviously there was that kind of mm-hmm. look, Oh, well, John should have been the one, but and again, I wouldn't have been opposed to it, but I really think that this was a better artistic choice and more uh, interesting going forward because, you know, it, I, the series would have been fine if it ended, if, if you know, John killed the Night King and then 
Danny and John go and take out Cersei and then they rule together. Like it would have been fine, but that's not as interesting as, as giving us something. I would have been bored by that. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it would have been really predictable and game of Thrones has never been a predictable show. That's the one thing you could say about this show is it's always surprised us sometimes in horrible horror, but like good storytelling, but horrifying ways. But it's, it, that's not the kind of no. show it is. Like they, well, John's the never taken down a boss anyway. That, He's never killed a boss. He kills fucking Ollie, <laughs> a little kid. He doesn't kill the bosses. <laughs> you know, I was super. I, I think I mentioned this last. I was super happy he fucking hung that little kid too. That kid was <laughs> he really deserved sure, it. Had it coming more than yeah. anybody. And everyone's like, "Oh, don't hang the kid." That fuck that kid. And that kid stabbed him in the heart. Like, hang that fucking kid. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, and shot his girlfriend. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I forgot kid. about that. Um, <laughs> I think everyone forgets about Ollie in, in the pantheon of like worst Game of Thrones character. Everyone always says Ramsey, Joffrey, but and you know Ollie wasn't nearly as like important. But that kid was just so irredeemable. <laughs> eh, I mean, his parents got killed by the wildlings, and you know they ate his parents. But... Yeah, a lot of people's parents got killed by the wildlings. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but so uh, you know, I think that was that was. For sure, a, I, I think kind of a silly critique. And another critique people had um, of the episode in Washington Post wrote a really, like, really uh, histrionic article about how, like, the episode was absolutely ruined because HBO didn't realize that people would watch this, you know, in, in, in their homes with their oh lights on. Like, like, yeah, okay, I'm sure this fucking super like this, this multi-billion dollar company and this biggest show in the fucking world uh, it didn't didn't realize that people would watch this in their heart like no it was intentional the way it was lit and it was intentional the way it was shot and like it was you know it 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 served Wait, a purpose. i don't understand like, what, it, what was it, the it critique was, people the, the the dark the darkness of the episode people thought that it was like a mistake that no. like it literally wasn't shot like wasn't color correct hey, properly listen, for, for i have viewing. to quote i have to quote uh burt reynolds from boogie nights there's shadows in life baby <laughs> you know that's that's it's fucking nighttime you want it to them to light it up like an old 60s western where they shoot it afternoon and put a blue filter on it no that would look like, look like shit they want you to feel you know, like you're yeah, there night. too and, like you can't see what's yeah, going you on you want to be as disoriented as the, as the character i was saying exactly. last night like you know it'd be a lot easier if like they had team colors on but i mean everybody looks the same <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. But it would have been, you know, and, you know, uh, it, it, all the things that you had to see, you saw like all the big moments had had a, had enough natural lighting that you saw what you needed to see. But they wanted to give you that sense of chaos and that sense of hopelessness that the heroes felt and make you feel, you know, disoriented and, and you know, terrified of, of, of the battle at, you know, raging around them. You weren't supposed to like see just a kind of generic clash of bodies and just be like oh well hopefully they make it out of this one like they wanted to give you that that insane sense of dread and i I thought it was really effective uh for sure you know know. a lot of shows we've talked about this how they'll they'll jack up the saturation or jack up the contrast you know everything in the 2000s was like orange and blue contrast on everything and they they really they don't do that on this show they'll tint things a little bit but you know just fucking use your eyes use your brain if it's dark it's dark for a fucking reason because it's a fucking 
nighttime battle in a snowstorm. That's why you can't see shit. And with their budget, <laughs> it's not a mistake. Because yeah, the characters like, couldn't see shit. They spend millions on their episodes. Yeah. No. Yeah, it, I just thought that was a preposterous critique. And it was it literally in the Washington Post. And that was the critique of the episode. I was like, yeah, okay. I'm sure fucking HBO <laughs> with their billions of dollars and Game of Thrones, the most watched show on television, mm-hmm. probably in television history, uh, totally just didn't account for the fact that people would be watching this at home, not on 16K 80-inch screens. Like, the, the fucking course they did. Like, Well, there's a good chance that the but... people complaining about the darkness were watching an extremely compressed digital file because they fucking bootlegged it. <laughs> yeah, or, well, and, you know, so, and also kind of slightly to their defense, I don't know about you guys, I was watching on HBO Go, my stream dropped out a million fucking times. Like I, I apparently Ooh. there was widespread issues. If you're watching on HBO go, no, did you guys experience not really that? bad? It, it paused briefly and then it caught right back up and started playing from the point it, it paused it. But mine actually kicked me like four times. So I mean, like really imagine how many millions of people are streaming that all at the same time. Oh yeah. Well, that's, I think they, they, their servers couldn't I handle it. I think there was so more many people viewers watching, for the second episode it, um, than the first. So it would make sense. There was even more for this episode. too. Yeah. For this, this epic battle that people watched in their fucking house. Yeah, like they were at a seriously. Super Bowl party. Like I said, Karma, I tell you that, that video of like the, the, like a couple of like black dudes watching at their house. And it, they had that amazing reaction oh, during the moment where I, 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 uh, nobody, <laughs> where, where, yeah. Where, Aria, they went fucking just crazy. running around the house so screaming. You know, people have complained that there's not enough, uh, you know, uh, people of color on the show, but nobody loves this show more than black people. I swear to God, you watch the <laughs> the, the the reaction videos and the memes and the just like all the fucking jokes that that black people on Twitter put up about this show. The Dave they have Chappelle the one. They are, gotcha, yeah, bitch. Black Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, bitch. <laughs> no, that that reaction video of this, the you know, wasn't like a huge crowd. It was just like a few black guys in their apartment going absolutely berserk <laughs> after the finale, after the climax when Arya kills the Night King. It was just, it was like, you know, I mean, if if you're black in America, you're used to watching most TV shows not representing you. You know, mostly white people. But that doesn't mean you can't still appreciate great character and great story and appreciate a fucking epic kill like yeah. that. Um, you know, best climax yeah. ever. It doesn't matter who the fuck you are. If you're into this show, you're into the show and you're going to go fucking nuts when you see <laughs> how it actually went down. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Um, and, you know, I, so th- those are kind of the big critiques. And I, people like I, I it just it. Like it kind of bums me out, but at the end of the day, I'm like, ah, I don't really give a fuck if people didn't like it because I fucking loved it, and uh, you know, I, it 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 seemed to really split television critics. But I mean, you're not oh, gonna yeah. please there, everybody. There are and, definitely hat critics you know. out there that just don't like the show because they didn't get on board with it at a time at the you know when when everyone else did. Now they're just like, well, I just hate it because everyone likes it. There was one today I saw. I don't even remember what yeah. platform it was on or what what website, but it was basically just all caps was the headline uh hbo writers are cowards for not killing off any major characters last night oh i saw that like, like come what? on yeah for like, jorah wasn't like... a major character are you fucking yeah. mental beyond beyond wasn't like, a mess been around since the first, since since the first episode like, yeah first episode yeah. you know that stark, stark was was it a major like... character this this show is the only show that does kill off major mm-hmm. characters that we care about 
it, that's, it's also such a weird fucking reaction now. It's like a bloodlust. Like, oh, you <laughs> yeah, didn't kill off enough of the people I like on this shit. Like, you know, they, they clearly don't dude, watch like, the show if they're saying shit like that. Or they don't watch it the right way. I mean, for sure. You know, hey, like if you're watching the show just to see people you like die, like your favorite characters, like what the um, fuck? Yeah, you watch nobody wants their favorite see... characters to die. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. <laughs> no, like I don't want fucking Jon Snow to die or like Arya. To, like, my God, come on. Like at like we watched the show in spite of all of our favorite yeah, characters dying. We watched the yeah. show in spite of Ned getting his head shot. We watch it because we love the other characters on the show that are, you know, affected by those losses. We don't watch it because we enjoy seeing the fucking Starks murdered and like having a pregnant woman stabbed in the stomach at the red wet. Like nobody's like, Oh yeah, that's my favorite part of the show is when they stabbed uh, Rob's wife in the fucking stomach. Totally. Like, nobody yeah. No, I, I love these. I idiots, love Rob Stark, but I, I, you know, I also love the show was brave enough to kill him. <laughs> When he could have not been killed. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the, the reason we're, we're at the end of this series and these people are still here is because they're really good at not dying. These people have something in common, like Tyrion says by mm-hmm. the by the fireside chat. Like, look at all the fucking battles we've we've all survived They're They have that in common, um, despite being a, a band of misfits. They're all really good at not getting killed. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love the episode. I think we're all kind of in, in, in unanimous agreement that this episode was really delivered on, on its, on its promise. Uh, and the interesting thing is like, I going into this, I think most of us assumed that there was a very slim chance that they would just kill the Night King in this episode and it would go on to be, you know, I, we talked about it last week a little bit where it was like, well, you know, for the most part going into it, we were kind of like, 90% 90% sure that the living would end up losing this battle. But I think something in the last episode kind of made us both say, eh, you know what? There's a decent chance that they could somehow van- vanquish the night King in this episode. And then the, le- the kind of end game of the series is going to be them, you know, heading off to King's landing to try to take it from Cersei, uh, which is the, oh, real I didn't think kind of emotion. I, I thought, I thought for sure the- that this, this was going to be continuing towards King's landing. Yeah, I mean, um, we, you know, the, 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 well, that's, promo yeah, we talked where a they lot showed about like that, Jamie's yeah. hand laying there in the snow, and like mm-hmm. a, like personal effects from all of them, and Winterfell is just destroyed, mm-hmm. right? So they definitely want us to like, build that up as the expectation. I I think they shot some fake footage, like like you know how like Avengers uh, Infinity War in the tr- in one of the trailers for Infinity War they show when Captain America kind of like stops Thanos's hand, like there's only two mm-hmm. Infinity Stones on his gauntlet. But in the actual movie, his the whole gauntlet oh, already sure. completed. Yeah, at I that mean, point. N- none of the footage that we saw in that trailer is actually in the episode, but it, it sort of meant to invoke the but idea it also, that it was they're a- not going to make it out of there alive. Well, but the so it's kind of like a, a deceptive thing by the show because a lot of that stuff was shot at Winterfell. Like we see a shot of John's sword uh, of Longclaw in the snow, so that's not going to happen at King's Landing. You know, like that's. Right um that so that that was clearly shot in there and maybe it was footage that was cut later on you know but it was clearly put in there to make us think that they weren't going to win this battle so that was another kind of nice surprise that they it kind of reminded me about the trailers um for season six with like the many-faced men and all the characters like had their faces on the wall like it made me kind of think like everybody's yeah yeah, so i was like i'm just gonna take it with a grain of salt this time (laughs) I don't think oh, they're gonna yeah, die. Absolutely. Uh-huh. But they want to build that expectation. Yeah. 
I, I, there was somebody on Twitter I follow and they were like, well, I thought like half the cast was supposed to die. And, and I was like, why'd you think that? <laughs> and it's like, I got no answer, <laughs> but yeah, no, they were, they were building that expectation to make you think this is, this is it for all these characters. I've never, uh, I, I can't get emotionally invested in something if I don't think that. Plus all the theories going die. around. I mean, there was like that one meme. It's like breaking down all the characters that are left. Like, you know, or gray worm yeah. gray worm uh he was the he was like the most likely to die and the reason was quote laugh my ass off like of course he's gonna die because he made plans for the future <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm still shocked that that's actually my, my one genuine shock from the episodes that gray worm made it out alive because motherfucker did like the most like uh, you might as well have like stabbed yourself in the chest with that with that whole scene where you were just like yeah you know we're gonna go off after this is over we're gonna well, sail away on a boat on a beach and it's gonna be like the end of shawshank redemption and we and we're see him uh, you know go back inside the castle when he's all all of his men are still out there so we know that if he knows he's in charge of those men that like he's he knows he needs to survive and he's not willing to mm-hmm. cut and run when his men are still out there and he fucking collapses that drawbridge while they're still on the other side of it like he he's willing to sacrifice his own people to save himself <laughs> so we know that he he's not well, completely save everyone else that's in, the, in, the, in winterfell too what's know? that well and he did it also to save everyone that else that made it back across the oh yeah not winterfell, not just himself you know? obviously like was... but we know that he's got a survival instinct <laughs> that goes beyond just uh being a soldier on the on the front line there so uh, I, I didn't. I didn't actually think he was going to die um, the way everyone else did, but they definitely hinted at it because he was the only one that <laughs> they fucking laid it on. Yeah. Thick. everyone else is like, "We're going to die," and he's like, "Oh, we're going to we're going to live past this. We'll be fine." <laughs> well, so, and, by the way, that just reminds me of something I, I wanted to mention in the episode. I forgot, but really fucking awesome scene of like them collapsing the the front while also like like protecting the retreat basically where they would just like have the center of their of their line retreat and then close in and then have the center retreat and then close you know what i mean like that was the way to get everyone into the castle Ooh, while I still protecting it not leaving them with their backs yeah. to the enemy that was a really fucking cool like little beat and i don't know if that's an actual battle technique but it, it, it was something like out of the fucking like like the spartans would do it was really cool fucking little uh way you would for think them they would have just kept going and gotten everybody out things when they when he he blew that bridge there was still hundreds of them out there and it's like what do you why not <laughs> you know <laughs> well i think at that point that was when they got overrun by the by the whites and then it was like well they're not going to be able to keep retreating in this in this pattern right. where they're defending we gotta, the we gotta close the gate at some point like and it has to be before yeah. they're right at the door or else we won't be able to close that door so yeah it's like it's like Brian Cranston and Godzilla like waiting to close the fucking thing before the nuclear you know sure, dust gets sure. to him. Gotta, like gotta have a, a buffer zone. Like, fuck, gotta yeah, do absolutely. It. Yeah. Um. But so yeah. Uh. You know, I want to talk about kind of our predictions for next week because, uh, I think a lot of us expected this to drag on, not drag on, but like go on further beyond this episode. Now that the Night King is seemingly vanquished uh it really opens up a lot of possibilities with three episodes left i think it really puts on the table the kind of stuff we were talking about last week where you know daenerys and john uh, are not going to be buddy buddy anymore necessarily and daenerys you know they've been hinting at a bit of a heel turn for daenerys and i don't know if it's 
just kind of false foreshadowing or if they're really going to go full bore with it, but something's going to need to really be an inciting incident to really kind of make her go full mad queen. And I mean, there's a possibility that what we see is, you know, they go and take King's Landing with not a ton of effort or, you know, an episode's battles worth of effort. And then we get the kind of John and Daenerys like conflict, but maybe not. I mean, that's, I think that's really what we're going to be seeing. Like that's, that's the big conflict going into the end of the series is what's going to happen with John and Dan. I, I don't mean, think Cersei, that's where the, if she the makes problem alive, is going to be because John is loyal to her already. You know, she, she helped save the North. Uh, I think the conflict that we're going to see was hinted at in the crypts where, uh, you know, when Sansa says, well, it never would have worked out between the two of us talking to Tyrion. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, why not? He's like, well, you've got this dual loyalty um, between your, your family and your queen. Sansa with her anti-Semitic comments, <laughs> just talking about um, dual. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's very true because we know that he's not completely in the same way that Cersei wasn't able to kill her brothers when we saw them actually in, in the room together. You know, the the whole Kyburn assassination yeah. plot, I still think is a, a not her doing. Um, in the same way that she couldn't kill her brothers, even though um, you know Tyrion's joked about killing her if he got turned into the dead. I don't think he's capable of doing that. <laughs> I don't think Jamie's capable of doing that. I think they might be forced to, and that's going to be the conflict to see where their loyalty actually lays down in the moment. Um, but I, I feel like that's the big, yeah. you know, that, that will definitely be kind of where well, they go with it. Well, I was saying, so, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, not all prophecies necessarily come true on this show, but you know, the Maggie, the frog's prophecy to Cersei has largely come true where, you know, she'd have three kids and they would all die. And then she would end up dying at the hands of the Valonqar, which means little brother and Valerian. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we kind of were like, well, obviously that's probably, it's gotta be either Tyrion or Jamie. Uh, but right now, neither of them would be apt to just kill her if they were in a room with her alone, like that, that's not something. So something would have to incite them sure. to do that. So I, I think I posited to you earlier that the only foreseeable way that I could see Tyrion wanting to kill Cersei is if Cersei killed Daenerys somehow, or like, or, you know, somehow did something that, that Tyrion's or even Sansa, something like that, like something that Tyrion would really find, you know, irredeemable. And likewise for Jamie, I think the only thing that, cersei could do that would make jamie want to actually kill her Ooh. is if she killed brienne like either by hand by hand or some some in some i mean I, I, there's no way cersei kills brienne by hand but you know but in some fashion has brienne executed uh that could be the only thing i i could imagine right that would incite well jamie we know that braun has been hired to to kill Tyrion and jamie now i still doubt that that mm. order came from Cersei, but if he does it, which I still think is unlikely, but let's say it does get carried out in some way, one or the other or, or both, still unlikely he'd go through with it. But some complication of that, or or even he just tells them, oh, one of them, one dies, of them dies, the and they her, and they maybe. want to get revenge on her, uh-huh. uh, and she's like, I never gave that order. That would even complicate things further because she, you know, they're coming at her as though she tried to kill one of her brothers, and she has no knowledge of it. And then it's like, well, what the fuck, you know? So they could be pitted together yeah. or pitted against each other, I should say, um, by events that they 
you know, don't really know about. And then ends up being the bittersweet thing is, is somebody dies for something that uh, was never their intention in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, um, it's, it, it's, it's unclear. Uh, it's very unclear, but that's, what's great about it is that we don't know how it's going to end. We have no idea. It's not a predictable ending and i think that's what we all have grown to love about game of thrones and i think that's what a lot of these people who are criticizing the episode for not giving us what they expected it to give us are missing and i think like a a lot of problems with shows in general ending is that we've and i think we're guilty of it too everyone's guilty of it you know you build up a certain amount of you you build up what you think is going to happen in your head over the course of seven seasons, eight seasons. You think like this is going to happen and this character is going to be the one to sit on the Iron Throne and this. And if it doesn't happen, it's not necessarily the show's fault that you built up that expectation. That's just like what you kind of wanted to see happen. Like I think and that's I, I'm, I think I'm guilty of that. And to some degree with Daenerys, where I was really behind her for a, lo- a large portion of the show, because I thought that when she talked about and I don't think I'm alone in this. I think a lot of fans thought when she talked about breaking the wheel, that she meant she would get rid of this kind of notion of a King or a queen in general and kind of bring a, some semblance of democracy or some kind of a, some kind of equity to the people. And I think the more I see of her, the more I realize that maybe that was never what the show was saying. And she always meant that she was just going to crush all of the other uh royal lineages and be the only one left to sit on the throne and you know which we've talked about last week a little bit and that really changes my my view of her as a character and whether or not i want to see her end up on the throne at the end you know what i mean so like i think i think a lot of people bring their baggage of what they think should happen to the show and if it doesn't happen they're upset but again it's like is it a good story is it a logical story is it telling you a logical uh story with the characters and their motivations then like you know it's not the show's fault if it's not in line with what you thought would happen sure you know what i mean it's i think that's a big the, problem the a lot bros of who are mad that john snow didn't get to kill the night king this they're the same guys that uh you know were were uh you know, threatened by an all-female Ghostbusters, all-female Ghostbusters movie, which is you know not why that movie sucks. Well, that movie did, yeah, but it wasn't sucking. because of it yeah. wasn't because of the <laughs> it idea. Did suck, but not because um, of that. Yeah, it's poorly written. And I'm an adult yeah. virgin. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Funny <laughs> reference there. I won't get into it, but uh, yeah, no, or the, or the people that just don't they don't even like a strong female protagonist, let alone a a, a bad female protagonist, but you know it, it's they're gonna they're gonna have a couple twists left i mean i guarantee it rr martin said that uh you know whatever the outcome there's gonna be it's gonna be bittersweet so you know we we saw danny have the vision of king's landing basically in ruins that throne room in ruins and full of snow now obviously you know we got the night king it's now dead so it's probably not gonna be full of snow <laughs> but it still might get ruined well a lot of people thought that it's unclear whether or not it's full of snow or if that's actually falling ash could be that so too. there that still could um, come true. you know what i mean so that had, that could have been what we've seen the vision was. that bran had where you definitely see the the shadow of a dragon flying over king's landing uh and, and most of his things have been correct so yeah we'll see yeah 
yeah i'm excited though and i'm I'm glad that we don't have a good clear-cut idea of where it's gonna go and how it's gonna end and that's, one thing that's, is clear really is gonna, they're definitely gonna celebrate you know. in the next episode um and it did look yeah for yeah sure. and it did look like danny plan. had on um stark colors like she had on a darker colored dress when she was holding up that cup in the hall so i was like it oh, kind of yeah. made me think like Maybe they much, like, probably accept her now. Like they, she did play a part in saving their lives. So she's the queen of the north. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe she just didn't bring that much luggage with her. Like she didn't or, expect what, to stay that long. Ooh, and they're like, more, oh, well, we have these. If, like, I mean, Sansa they're Sansa like as a thank. I mean, yeah, it didn't maybe. look like that regal, but it looked yeah, like it's it's dark dark colors. Uh huh. It was certainly northern northern garb. Yeah. It wasn't her her typical like white kind of. So I, that's interesting. Yeah, because in the trailer for the next episode, we see a lot of shots. We obviously see Ghost is alive, but we see that shot you mentioned where she's kind of like toasting to all the northern uh, lords and soldiers, mm-hmm. and they seem to be accepting her, uh, which is good. Um, I, I I think the big thing next episode is we're gonna have to have the conversation oh, sure, with yeah. john and daenerys where they, they like have, sit down and talk about that. they have the talk about like <laughs> that's i think the the central kind of thing of next episode and also probably this is going to be our plan to take on cersei like that that's going to be i think episode five is going to be the battle of king's landing and i and i think you know i don't think it's really too spoilery to say that miguel sapochnik is directing episode five that's the guy who directs directed this he directed the battle of bastards hard home he's like the battle guy so there's a very strong chance the next episode is housekeeping and preparation and then episode five is going to be another epic battle uh i don't, I don't know then, how you, you know six this, will I, I feel like the next three episodes is i don't like they're should, all sort of yeah. epilogue so they're gonna have to have a pretty big twist still to not make it feel like you know this the that's episode three was the real I, finale yeah I think epi- I think episode five is not going to be quite as much of a army on army battle. Like there will be that, but I think episode five is going to have a lot of little battles and little situations, like more so than this episode. Like Zersi I think obviously really imaginative too. Everyone's so hope she's got a lot of tricks up her sleeve that yeah. we don't think of. Right, right. I mean, I hope. I I think everyone hopes, and you know, it is fan service, but it's not gonna hurt the show or the storytelling to do this we, we gotta get a <laughs> yeah. game ball episode five yes. like we need a fucking game ball come on they're gonna both be in the same place My they're God. on opposing sides in an army even if they see each other across the battlefield and like fucking you know do the slow walk towards each other we need a fucking well game he ball. hasn't you know what's his arc been this whole season he's just kind of moping around with nothing to do uh you know he, he, he we no, just say uh, around no, Tender. Right, that's true. He did yeah. sort of save her, um, but still, that's not his arc, right? Uh, he's still there for a reason, for a purpose that we haven't seen yet. So I, I think that Adam that'll Paul's definitely brother. be. And he even says it to him at the end of the last season. He's like, "Yeah, you know what's coming." So they're <laughs> telling us straight up, yeah. <laughs> "This is gonna happen." So I. I was a little disappointed he didn't call him a cunt in that moment because that he he calls everybody a cunt and then that seemed like the appropriate time to be like you know that's not good enough cunt. for him that's not Coming good enough for him <laughs> yeah 
fucking love the hounds i, I would have been so bummed if he died this episode without without getting his chance to to, to fucking kill his brother but well we um, don't know who's gonna win that one yeah you so never, that's you never know oh my god that would be such a fucking bummer if he gets the <laughs> oh, gets the god. viper treatment <laughs> pops his fucking skull would be i mean you, you know that burned his oh. brother's face off oh yeah that yeah, would be a good fucking moment although <laughs> see this is what this show does it creates so i think somebody said that earlier there's like this show creates sociopaths and we're not talking about ramsey bolton we're talking about the fans of this show. yeah i don't i don't want our heroes to be <laughs> that we wish for horrific. i mean you know revenge sure but sandor's sandor's a gray character like he's 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 one of the good ones but he's he's you know he's not a he's not a but fucking you know uh, he's not brienne he's yeah he's he's a fucking dark guy like yeah. he's you know takes takes out revenge with an axe to the groin that's pretty much the <laughs> he's the punisher he's not he's not captain america he's, he's the punisher, punisher you know he's yeah. he, he he works in shades of gray mm-hmm. bring back punisher season three come on disney <laughs> um come on you motherfuckers you have a whole channel now like you, you, you you're gonna give me a show about like you know the the star wars cantina and you're not gonna give me a fucking show about the punisher give me a break. Um, no i'm just kidding but i'm sure some some shit like that's gonna happen where they're gonna come out with some minor show or to just capitalize on the universe they are coming out you know you know know, i I saw that leaked uh what's that they're coming out with a a show for loki i saw i don't know if it was in the or like the trailers before which, like, I could, I could kind of take or leave. I'd, it, I'd take a Punisher yeah, show like, over a Loki looked, show any did day. You, did you guys uh, see that leaked trailer for the uh, Mandalorian Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because it, looks, it looks like Rogue One. It looks just like fucking Rogue One. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I was a little excited about that actually. I, I think that's the show that John Favreau is directing. You know, the guy who directed the first Iron Man, yeah. directing the Lion King. But he's, he's, you know, that's his. Oh, speaking of, by the way, just as a kind of nice crossover, the two dan or the two the double d's whatever the fuck they're called benioff and weiss the game of thrones showrunners are working on their own trilogy for star wars uh not in the star uh, not in the skywalker universe so that's going to be an interesting huh. thing to see what they do with so that that's too. not the other trilogy that the guy think, that did the last um no that's that's a whole nother thing which may or may not happen i kind of um, hope it doesn't because that, yeah that's just, not, it was like just watered down Spielbergish kind of stuff. I didn't like that that element of it. So, if that's the direction yeah. they were going to go, so. I, I ride for that movie more than most. But even so, I don't know if I he necessarily could. Well, I don't know. I mean, again, it depends on what it's covering. But a lot of people think that because they're the Game of Thrones guys, that they're being brought in for Knights of the Old Republic, which is kind of the, this like ancient mm-hmm. jedi arc that like a lot of the books and like some of the video games told which would be really fucking interesting sure. in their hands although you know a lot of the the kind of more violent and visceral aspects of their storytelling might not be uh able to be present in a star wars movie but no, certainly I mean, we'll not see, a Disney event. no but in, but in any event so yeah you know we we i think we're not sure what the fuck is going to happen which is a great place to be like you know i think you know you asked me at the start of the season i think we could have mapped out a very rote and predictable um ending to the series and it seems like we're not going to get that and and i like that because we don't know how it's going to end and it could still end badly for the people we like on the show but 
that's okay you know yeah well uh, it's about the journey not about well the, the journey is about friendship obviously no uh <laughs> it's about the friends we've made along the way um i i want uh-huh, things to uh-huh. surprise me and so often things don't because it's the writers don't think about what makes sense versus what is just fan service versus what is um you know logical versus what is going to be surprising right and and balance which is going to be the better story to tell uh everything in the last two episodes the build-up to this was very predictable but fulfilling at the same time because the people were acting exactly the way they would exactly the way they know or we know that they would because that's we know the characters right uh the the townsfolk of of uh, you know outside winterfell are freaking out like we knew they would when they saw dragons mm-hmm. uh danny and and, yeah. and uh, sansa don't get along because we we kind of knew they wouldn't and that's consistent but it's also predictable um in this kind of a huge epic battle anything could fucking happen right so all of it should be a surprise all of it should still have a logic to it but we should be fucking shocked and and horrified and on the edge of our seat every moment of it and that's really what this episode did so well was keep that sustained sense of panic and dread and and not knowing what was going to happen yeah absolutely um so you guys have any closing thought i mean we cover a lot of ground i think we covered most of the episode but do you guys have any closing thoughts that we didn't get to uh, in the actual episode i don't think so i'm just really glad like aria was the one that killed the night king because she's my favorite character and she's fucking badass oh. and it makes sense <laughs> yeah i totally agree and i actually i forgot i did want to mention something about aria uh, can we get Arya on the Iron Throne? Like, is there any is there any way that we could we could figure out a line of succession where Arya sits on the Iron Throne instead of John or bored, Danny? Though. Because she uh, doesn't like to sit still. <laughs> She's always on the move, always on the go. Doesn't like to stay in the same place. I know. But she's the fucking queen. I would, would ride be for, the king. Like of all of, of all of them now. No, she should. Yeah. Oh no, she definitely, definitely should. Be. Her and Brienne should lead the. The only person King's I guard. trust 100 percent on that throne would be. Sir Brienne of Tarth, because she's the only one that's completely mm. justice minded and isn't out to like have some side agenda. <laughs> she would just be there to you know arbitrate basically. Yeah. I would trust John, but he's also stupid. So I, you know, like I would trust him to be to be noble, but he's also dumb. So I don't know how good of an idea that would be. You know what I mean? Like him and Danny would be versus... the best if they could just share the Iron Throne. Yeah. To like balance each they other, just gotta turn yeah. that throne into a love seat. What if they had a baby though? Like, what if <laughs> that long... happened in the season? And you well, put I, a little I... a little crib next to it, made out of out of swords too. <laughs> <laughs> they all roll together. <laughs> she might already have one. I mean, you know, they they fucking got it on the boat. Uh, that it's very possible that the the you know that it's also you know. That whole prophecy of like how she would give birth to the stallion that mounts the world uh, may still come true. I mean, we assumed it was dead when she gave up the baby to save Khal Drogo, but maybe that prophecy was true. And that's that's going to be their baby. And it'll be like this culmination of Starks and Targaryens and all this other shit. So I don't know. I mean, I, again, this show could go a lot of ways. Um you know, I, I don't think Danny on her own would make a good ruler. I think we I've talked a lot about why uh, I don't think she would. But, but I, I would think her and John ruling together would be acceptable. I still think I, I would like to see 
an element of of uh, just the destruction of monarchy on this show but i don't think that that's where the show's going i think that's my own <laughs> socialist instinct to be like man fuck this shit everyone should just have an equal share of king's landing and everyone should fuck but i mean uh, you know i mean if that's not where the show is going then it's not where it's going if we're gonna go towards still having like a benevolent dictator I, mm-hmm. I, it should be john and danny together and i think uh, everybody that you know, survived probably. should be like in their cabinet <laughs> right yeah instead of a small <laughs> yeah. council of advisors they should open president. it up and have like you know we would love to see the beginning of like a parliamentary system where they have a large council and yeah. that they're not just the lords that are chosen from their wealth but they're elected you know they they got what a million people in king's landing it should be enough that they should mm-hmm. be able to you know elect a city council uh i don't know how you do votes with a those fucking rubes would probably elect like some schmuck to be the fucking prime minister though. Oh sure, but yeah, yeah. Of um, course we want to we want to see it move towards a more ethical world. That's that's what Varys yeah, has been wanting. That's why he uh recruited Tyrion to be the hand of the queen because he he was like, "Wait, you, there's a mm-hmm. there's a real shot here to not just defeat the evil, but to change the the banal uh, un, uh unethicalness of this world." Right to to really go beyond the Star yeah. Wars good versus evil, but to to change just the fundamental black market slave trade <laughs> kind of baseline that everyone's used to. I still I, I still think Tyrion would make a fucking great <laughs> prime minister or great like prime whatever leader, but like elected leader of the world because he does have the intelligence uh, and he also has the humility like to 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 rule. like a just you know to justly rule like i don't think he's he's never been shown to be a vindictive person like that's that's the one he's a little vindictive he fucking shoots his dad i mean that's (laughs) (laughs) okay what his dad vindictive doesn't mean the person doesn't deserve it it just means that you're willing to fucking get revenge (laughs) well i i I, I don't know i mean i i think of vindictive in like a negative connotation and like a vindictive for for you know vindictive sake versus like he justifiably killed his father because he you know made his life miserable and and but other than that i'm and also his dad you know had his fucking wife killed and yada yada but um kieran i think he would too and he does say to Varys, he says well i'll never sit on the iron throne you know so that could that could be some false foreshadowing (laughs) right there we've talked about that a couple times i think it's like we can get you a little fucking booster, dude. We'll get you a little, <laughs> a little step to get up to there. Get up it's fine. Little fucking thing. <laughs> oh man. Um, all right. Well, I I think we covered all the ground we can cover in this episode. But uh, loved it. Super excited to see where the show goes from here. And um, yeah. So if you want to support the show, you can do it a couple ways. Obviously uh, rate and review and subscribe on iTunes or Apple podcasts. That really helps us out uh, to get, you know, more listens. Uh, you can follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left. If you want to go uh, give us a like over on Facebook and kind of join the kind of uh, community over there, you, uh, you know, we post a lot of memes and things like that. It's not just the episodes that's facebook.com slash move left idiots um if you want to uh support us another way you can become a patreon that's patreon.com slash move left uh we have merch available for our you know main show uh 
logo. Uh, that's at uh, tinyurl.com slash moveleftmerch. Um, if you want to listen to our regular show, uh, I'm sure most of you probably already, you know, if you found this show, you probably listen to our main show. But if not, you know, uh, we do a uh, news show uh, once a week, kind of a news commentary show from a socialist perspective. Uh, we do that usually on uh, Thursday nights, uh, and that's at the same feeds that you find this show on. Uh, and you can go check us out over there. We are on Twitter. I'm at move underscore left. Comrade. I'm at Smut Collector. <laughs> uh, I'm at Ashley Ashley BC one three seven. Yep, and uh, we will see you guys next week for more Left of the Throne.